Blog Talk Radio. trying to start these things on Monday or Tuesday, get back into that. But anyway, we have a ton to talk about from the weekend. This coming weekend, not so much, right? It's a decent weekend, a couple of interesting bouts that may turn out to be better. You know, sometimes boxing has a way, because there's just so much of it, that there'll be a great, or at least maybe not a great fight, but, you know, just like a, uh, a really fun fight to talk about next week, but who knows? But before we get into anything dealing with fight news or, you know, lightly previewing the schedule, busy, busy, busy fight weekend. And it just sucks that, like, one of these fights couldn't have been this next weekend, if you think about it. We had uh, Devin Haney taking apart George Cambosis in front of 40, what was it, 42,000 in attendance in Australia. Fought a great fight. Some people didn't like his style, domination. Um, could you have said, you know, maybe he could have upped the ante, not the ante, but up the work rate and maybe tried to really go to try to hurt him late in the fight when he had control of it? Sure. But in the same breath, if you look at the scorecards, two of them had it eight to four. The more he starts opening up, the more he gets hit. Um, and all of a sudden you're looking at a draw maybe. So, you know, there, there's there's two sides there to an argument, but the argument I won't hear is just it was just the worst fight, just a horrible fight. And you can not like the way Haney fights, but to blame it all on Haney that it was one-sided is like, well, some of these folks were talking about, you know, talking major stuff about Cambosis and what he was going to do to Haney because Haney only has that jab. I heard a lot of that. You know, you can't just beat him with the jab. Well, first of all, he didn't just beat him with the jab, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Stephen Fulton and Daniel Roman Fulton, very dominant. He dazzled the armored crowd. Um, speaking of the armored crowd, that, that place was popping, no doubt about it. Shots out the lefty and a variety of deuce, variety of other folks that I ran into and got to talk a little bit, meet him in person rather than just on boxing Twitter, which is always fun. Then yesterday morning, 
Inoue completely just runs through, destroys Donaire. Nonito Donaire, who fought damn really hard in that first fight. It was a one-sided fight, but it was very entertaining because he definitely lands some really telling punches um, considering, right? That wasn't the case in the rematch. Um, wow. Inoue just, just, just destroyed him. It wasn't even a fight. Um, anyway, so we'll go, we're going to talk about what's next for the winners and losers. Obviously, a lot of folks talking about Fulton and Inoue. Inoue, of course, that 118, it only needs one more belt to uh, become undisputed uh, with Butler. And then same thing for Fulton going against MJ, potentially. We'll see if that fight can happen. Um, that, you know, there shouldn't be any kind of split pay-per-view talk on that one coming from, um, you know, just zone and whatnot. We'll see if that fight can happen. But so they have some business, especially I'd say Fulton has more business with MJ than Butler, if I'm going to line them up. But it's hard not to on paper think Fulton's not the best 122 pounder. I think that's obvious because they both now fought Daniel Roman, and we know who won real clean. No disrespect to Daniel Roman, but he uh, he didn't get many good punches in, period, especially to the head. He worked the body well. He did what he had to do. Like I said, no disrespect. Um, and then as far as this weekend, DAZN has, I think, two cards, ESPN and Berlanga returns, Showbox returns. So like I said, we're going to lightly brush uh, you know, upon that. We did... Coppinger, we did get some swirling rumors uh, about an October fight uh, with Coppinger, with Spencer Crawford. Maybe that'll happen then. Um, Not totally sure, but it's likely November. It just makes sense in general, but it is likely that it will be November um, if it gets made. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. AJ and Usyk. I think I talked about that last week. It got pushed back into August. There is some news about AJ, potentially anyway, uh, some rumors about did he actually go ahead and sign with the zone? There's also kind of a, a combination of UK, Sky Sports, the rest of the world, the zone. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. There's been an Adrian Broner sighting with Omar Figueroa, a fight that people are looking forward to a while back now couple of years, sounds like they're going to fight. Teofimo Lopez is looking for a, a, an opponent. There was a rumored opponent, and then he went off on Twitter and on Instagram. We'll dig into some of those details. He had some stuff to say about uh, Jose Ramirez and his manager, uh, you know, bounced back there. It said something back. Um Kind of similar when it comes to uh, Avenesian and Ortiz. That was supposedly a done deal. Now it sounds like that's not a done deal. A um, couple other things that we'll talk about. Oscar De La Hoya. Is he serious about making take versus Ryan? There's a new article on ESPN, and I think I saw it on Fight Hype, but obviously you know, he did an interview with the press conference with Ryan Garcia you know, announcing his uh, fight with uh, Javier Fortuna. You know, we got one set of uh, quotes from Ryan Garcia, the fighter, and then the promoter, Oscar De La Hoya, and he's already talking about a split that I'm not really sure 
it makes him serious about actually making this fight. But we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I do want to follow up. I didn't get to this last week, but I think I'm going to be able to get to this Eddie Hearn comments. And it's not going to be the LRB stuff. I'm not going to go back and forth. And uh, Eddie said this. Leonard said this. But Eddie Hearn in an IFL TV interview said some stuff asking questions, um, alluding to something about Gervonta Davis and how he's, you know, basically attacking Al Heyman in a sense, not just Mayweather promotions, not Leonard LRB, um, but Al Heyman. And it's, and it's real, real like, huh. That's funny because in a different negotiation, we could point the finger there. But, of course, there was no follow-up uh, to him. But we'll talk about that. We got a little bit of audio on that as well. So, yeah, there's fight news. Of course, we'll, you know, we'll read a little boxing Twitter. Boxing Twitter was popping after these fights, I'll tell you that. Both filled with love, a um, whole lot of hate, which, you know, boxing Twitter, right, Twitter in general. Anyway, if this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com uh, forward slash Rope Dope Radio. You don't have to go to Block Talk and Rope Dope and download the show directly there if you don't want to or listen to the browser. You can find the platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, pretty much all over the place, right? Uh, while you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord, or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. Now, I normally talk about the prices start as low as $69.99. For a limited time, that for two months, it's $54.99. That's a $30 savings. Uh, there's no annual contract, no hidden fees. I talk about the choice and ultimate package. If you upgrade to those, that's the even better deal. For three months, if you choose... The uh, Choice or Ultimate, that gives you a whole bunch of more options, plus HBO Max, Showtime, Stars, Epics, in Cinemax. That's a $160 value, just so you know. Anyway, that's Direct TV Stream. And by the way, boxing fans, Showtime is available for $11 on this platform, Direct TV Stream. Okay. Man, like I said, this was, uh, this was a fun weekend. Now, of course, um, you know, I, I did, um, you know, I, 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 I was there for the fights live um, at the Armory. It was a fun night. First part of the night was pretty much one-sided knockouts. You were just kind of begging for a club fight of some sort of two-way action, you know. But they did end up giving it to us more and more. Um, as the night went on, actually, before the telecast started, there was a really fun eight-rounder that I'll talk about as well. Um, but obviously, you know, um, we'll get to that in just a moment, though. I do want to start with uh, the, the the Haney and Cambosis fight live from that, um, you know, that, that uh, I was going to say, arena. But um, that stadium, like I said, I think it was reported 42,000. Either way, there's a lot of people there. And I'll tell you what, that shit was quiet. That shit was quiet during the fight because their guy was getting beat pretty much ding to dong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, 
how many rounds could you really give to Cambosis? Uh, two, maybe like the second and the tenth. Maybe you could throw one in there someplace just to throw a dog a bone. But anything, I don't think it's anything past two. But if you want to go three and just be super nice about it, okay. I mean, I don't even know if that's a great way to describe that super nice. <laughs> that's like bending over backwards and then falling and tumbling down a hill. But uh, let's let's say nine to three. Two scorecards had it eight to four, folks, which that's pretty close to fixing the cards. You know, it, it, it's not a fix. It's not like a random uh, Canelo against Golovkin, you know, part one card where they're just like 118 to what, 10 to two. It wasn't that. But had Devin fought a little different in that fight, this may have been a draw or worse. We'll see, though. I don't what well, we won't see. Well, we might have to see it. I don't know. Um, so <clears throat> I'll say this. The walkouts were very good. You had Cambosis coming out uh, $2.50. Cent. What up, blood? What up, cuz? What up, bat, bat song? What up, gangsta? And then you had DMX. Uh, X going to give it to you. Now, you know, I would have appreciated if they were weren't talking over it so I could hear the lyrics, but, you know, that's just the old head, I guess. Uh, but Haney came right out um, with the jab, dominating uh, the, the early goings, well, pretty much the whole fight. Cambosis in the first round, he had like a late counter that was pretty nice. You could tell he was just trying to counter him and then punch when he punched, and that's kind of what Cambosis' game plan is. But like we talked about um, – you know, Haney wasn't going to be just obnoxiously, you know, fighting in a dangerous way, like to sit there and put yourself way out of position like Tiafima Lopez did. You could tell he wasn't just – he had more respect for who he was. And that's not his style either. Um, you know, I did kind of – overall, I did think Cambosis, you could give him that second round. Um, he had a nice right hand counter that landed really good over Haney's jab. Um, and then a late left hook as well that landed. Um, so to me, I gave him the second round. I thought that was pretty fair. But then, like I said, it was tough to give him another one until maybe the, the, the 10th round. Haney, you know, was really establishing that jab. Um, and then a jab straight right hand um, at times. You know, you could see Cambosis counter, but it's just not enough. You know, maybe he'd do one or two of them. You know what I mean? I did notice the left hook started coming into play. That was very accurate, not for Cambosis, but for Haney as well. Um, and, you know, at the start of the fight, I did actually – I wasn't sure exactly how he'd fight. I thought he would be a little bit more on the move I'm talking about on Haney. But he was he was pretty much at range for a lot of the fight. He used that subtle movement of pivoting and circling around and then, you know, throwing more punches. But um, he just – it seemed like once he settled all the way in, that second round he lost, he got hit with a couple clean punches. And it, it seemed like at the start, Haney was trying to back him up a little bit, maybe too much for what he normally does. Once he got comfortable, though, and wasn't worried about backing anybody up, then it was just – then it was a wrap. I mean, the hand speed, um, 
you know, his how witty he was, very crafty in there, really showing, um, you know, his talent, definitely showing his talent. Um, just jab after jab, a high jab, just chipping away, frustrating the you-know-what out of Cambosis. I will say this, the sixth round, I kind of forgot that I have it in my notes here. Haney was more active. There was a flush, a, a flush, pause. There was a flush left hook that midway through the round of six that maybe you'd say, well, maybe that's the best punch. I'll give it to him. So there, I, I, I went to three rounds for you. How's that? <laughs> um, but Haney, yeah, like I said, the jab, the right hand, or that short left, I mean, it's like he put a spell on him, you know? And uh, speaking of spell, it was just short spells, maybe a jab and a right hand from uh, in a counter or something from Cambosis, but he couldn't put anything together, you know? And it was just that accurate jab. The I even saw, you know, like I said, the craftiness of blocking a shot with his hands, which we don't always see with him. Um you know, as he's pivoting out, landing a big shot, Haney, you know, grabbing maybe a half a shoulder and pushing off of it to get away and then, you know, get Cambosis out of range or out of sorts and then land another big one. Um, then he kind of just stuck and moved the rest of the way. You could say some rough stuff and some salt, like a couple of solid right hands from Cambosis in the tent was enough maybe to get him that round. But that's about it. Like I said, two rounds is, is about all I'll go. Maybe, the, like I said, maybe that sixth, I guess, but I don't know. Maybe the I'd say maybe the, the last 90 seconds or something like that. Um, it was on some real stick and move, but uh, it was a clear win. 118, 110, 116 to 112. Of course, all in favor of the winner, Devin Haney. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, it was. You know, you did hear a lot of people mad at the fight, you know, on boxing Twitter, which is no, you know, big thing. Some of it's people like a certain style of a fighter and that's it. Some 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 of it has to do with, you know, uh race. Some of it has to do with whatever, you know what I mean? Um there there <laughs> there's a lot of reasons why people are like that, but um I don't know, man. I saw just a, a pretty much you know, the only thing you could say Cambosis did was was probably land to the body a fair amount. I'm actually looking at the punch stats for power punches, 33 to 3. You know, that was bigger, whereas the jab, I thought, was mostly what um, Haney went to the body with. Um, and it was 34 to 16 overall when it came to that. Um, but Haney, you know, just outclassed him. You know what I mean? He wasn't going to, like I said, he wasn't going to uh, fight the way, um, you know, he wasn't going to fight the way that Lopez fought. He just wasn't going to do it. And uh, and why would you, you know? Now, like I said earlier, like in the, in the beginning of the show, now can you nitpick and critique Haney in this fight? Sure, of course you can. Now he is fighting on the road. And like I said, two judges did give, Cambosis four rounds. Um, so that was probably in his head, hey, I'm up. Why change things? But, yeah, when you've, you know, pretty much dominated a guy with a jab, with a right hand, once in a while left hook, could he have stepped up the pace more? Sure. Yeah, he could have. He definitely could have. Um, could have that backfired a little bit. 
and get hurt again like we've seen in the last two fights, that's true too. You know what I mean? So playing it um, safer down the stretch of this fight when you know you're leading, or at least it feels like you're leading majorly, um, is a smart thing to do. Um, could he have held a little bit less? Sure. Some of those were quick, quick clinches. Um, some of it was by design. Some of it was Cambosa's not doing much either. I mean, Cambosa's didn't do a whole lot either. He was looking for just one big shot most of the time. He didn't establish much either. And I mean, being rough, like if, if Haney's holding you or, or clinch hold, those are usually two different things. But if he's doing that stuff to you, punch with the one hand free more. Get rough with him. Do certain things that, you know, are going to get him pissed off and at least get the referee's, you know, um, attention. So I think you can critique Haney, especially, you know, in the second half of the fight. But he was just dominating the action, winning the rounds clearly, though. So, yeah, could he have uh, tried to actually go for not just a kill or a knockout, but to try to hurt him? You know what I mean? Like, really, really try to pour it on in spots? I think he could have. But you are kind of playing in to Campos's hands at that point, too. And a, a round or two where you're trying to go for a knockout, and it doesn't happen. And I'm not talking about swinging for the fences knockout, home run hitters. I'm talking about breaking a guy down more with a little bit more volume, basically, even going to the body or whatever. Um, and maybe turn him into two, three, four punch opportunities combinations. Yeah, you could. I do think that's a little bit nitpicky, but just because you were on the road, but but you can criticize that. Yeah, I think that's fair. But to sit there and say it's the one of the worst fights you've seen and all that, it's like, come on, dude. Like, really? But, but a lot of these people, like I mentioned earlier, were the ones who basically were saying – that, you know, Haney's not going to be able to beat Cambosis just with a jab. And he didn't just beat him with the jab, obviously. Um, there was more to it. I mean, his footwork. And even his defense, uh, which I think is not high-level elite, or at least it hasn't shown to be. Um, but all in all, he threw more punches, though. I mean, when I'm looking at it, 588, 588 to 417, you know, and he threw more power punches, too. So if we're just going to look at, well, Dunmore, well, what about Cambosis? I mean, if you're going to fight a rough style, if you're going to talk all this shit, then do it. You know, then do it. It wasn't like he was bear-hugging him, you know, all night. And that whole changing levels, dropping levels, and bending over at the waist are two different things. Bending over at the waist is literally, think about standing up and trying to touch your toes. Right, like bending over the waist. That's what the rule means. It doesn't mean you can't duck down and dive and, and do certain things. Um, now, are there fighters? We could talk about Mayweather and others too in the past. Purnell, that you know, skirt it, skirt that that rule a little bit. Sure, sure. Um, and should holding be called more? Yeah. I mean, rough stuff on the inside, punches behind the head should be called more too. There's a lot of stuff that. Every week we see in boxing that doesn't necessarily get called enough, but people like to pick out just one thing, a clinch or a hold. And, and personally, 
I think there is a difference between a clinch and a hold, like a full-on bear hug hold. Um, and it wasn't just punch, hold, punch, hold, punch. He wasn't just punch holding the whole time. And if he was, then get ready for that stuff. Well, you didn't think he'd do any of that? Like, you got to be rough then. And in a couple of rounds that he was being a little bit more rough, you know, I gave him one of those rounds too. So overall, you know, what is next? Cambosis said that, you know, um, well, you know, Cambosis had a lot to say. You know, on one hand, he would say stuff like, well, I'm not going to be like Teofimo and, and, and say all this stuff and, you know, um, and, and cheapen the win or anything like that, you know. But then he'd turn right around and be like, well, you know, so-and-so, this and that, you know what I mean? Like, this is what he said. And, and as far as the decision goes, if you think that Cambosis got, like, he didn't get the benefit of the doubt, I'm not even going to bring up the word robbery. <laughs> but if you don't think he got the be- – like, to say I don't think he got the benefit of the doubt on the judges' scorecards, I just disagree with you. I really do. To sit there and be like, oh, he should have got the decision. What fight were you watching? How could you give seven rounds or six, five, one, however you want to, you know, do magic tricks to get there? But seven rounds? You thought it was seven rounds for Cambosis. I get the fighter making excuses or saying stuff because they're in there. It means a lot to them. They kind of got embarrassed in front of a lot of people. Losing is tough to do in front of a lot of people. We, we act like from our couches and people work out and throw some punches in the gym and act like they're fighters. It, it's tough to deal with. You know what I mean? But this is what he said. Do I feel uh, it was, he said was twice. Do I feel uh, it was an unfair decision? Yes. That's bullshit. Uh, am I going to let this define me? Absolutely not. That's cool. Uh, to have an unfair decision go against me in a fight that most had me winning is heartbreaking. But but be better, not bitter. I truly believe, uh, you know, making a comeback, I'll come back stronger. Uh, I haven't gone quiet and disappear, uh, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, man, I mean, for him to say that most people thought he won that fight is just pretty blinding. I mean, come on, dude. Um. But to his credit, you know, that's going to be a tough fight. Um, And I'll say this for him on the rematch. He's going to have to get rough. He's going to have to, if you don't like getting held, then do something about it. Put a forearm in his neck then. You know, when when guys got rough with Mayweather and were trying to hit him behind the head and stuff, that's what he did. You know, you got to fight back. If you think you're getting screwed by the ref, then, then be cheap back then. Break the rules, skirt the rules back, and, and a lot of times, not always, that's for sure, but that at least gets the ref to be like, okay, hold on, i got to see what's going on here on both sides, you know what I mean? Especially at home. I just, I think it's a real cop-out to be like, I thought I won that fight. If you want to complain about the holding, cool, you know, cool. But to sit there and, I mean, to act like Haney ran the whole fight is ridiculous, too, because he fought at range most of the time. Now, if you can't circle and move around your opponent while you're punching them in the face and not getting punched back as much, then I don't, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you, man. You, 
some of these fighters that counter or some of these guys that just come forward and that's all they can do, they just get mad because they can't cut off the ring. You know, so you couldn't counter, but you couldn't attack much either. And you didn't get rough and tough. You didn't have a – you showed like shades of a game plan, a different game plan, but not enough, not nearly enough. And no – like I said, in the 11th and 12th, did you see Haney moving a little bit more, especially like the last 90 seconds? Sure, dude. But when the fuck don't we see that? That happens a lot when you got a big lead. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, as far as him saying he felt he won the fight, that's just nonsense. But I'll, I'll give him credit. If he does go, as much as I don't necessarily want to see this fight, you know, that goes with the best making the, you know, best versus best. It's just like Wilder and Fury. Fury, besides the first two rounds, ran over uh, Wilder in that, that second fight. But contractually, they were, that was already agreed upon. And I did, you know, there was a lot of excuses that we criticized Wilder for, but in the same breath, I gave him credit because shit, dude, that's tough to come. And look, and look what he did in the rematch, in the trilogy, the rematch after that fight. So I don't know what's going to happen in the rematch. We don't know 100% if, in fact, he's, he still has to exercise the rematch clause. Um, what negotiation will take pla- you know, pace, place past then? Will they do it in an arena instead of a stadium? You know, that, that's something to think about. I mean, I know it gets summer, November, uh, December, January, February. That's summertime, right? That's hotter than it was there. But I don't know. I, it's tough to say, man. Like, it wasn't – it was a one-sided fight, and it wasn't particularly super exciting. So do, is that – but then again, you think for Cambosa's side, he's like, well, shit, dude. Are they going to give me another opportunity in the next fight or two? Am I going to get another big fight for a little bit? Maybe I should just take this and just deal with it, you know? I don't know. But if he does, you know, have that rematch clause and he exercises it, I still have a lot of respect for him that way. I mean, I have respect for him as a fighter, of course, but I'm saying I still think there's something to be said about that's a very tough fight to win for him. And, uh, so we'll see. Obviously, Bob Arum talked about, you know, um, <laughs> Bob Arum talked about Lomachenko, you know, in, in Haney. Obviously, he'd like to have that fight in the U.S., but unless he wants to – people keep saying he won't be able to fight. Well, there will be probably lawsuits if he decided not to do the rematch on the Haney side, but you can drop the belt. But in this scenario, it's dropping all the belts. Right? I don't think it's just dropping a belt because it wasn't just for one belt. And Cambosa's had all those belts or whatever the WBC you know, thing was. Um, but you know what I mean? So if he went up in weight to 140, he wouldn't have to fight him. Um, I mean, that's on the surface. We don't know the exact you know, details to this contract. So I don't want to speak too much more on that, but uh, there's a chance that this fight wouldn't happen if that exor- that clause was exercised. Um, so we'll I don't know we'll see. Like I said, I, I really don't know exactly all the details, but um, you know, obviously Lomachenko and Haney would be huge. You know, it did um, for right now. It did a, a, a pretty damn good rating, uh, especially. It kind of shows you 
that Cambosis Tiafimo fight was on the zone, and it's, it kind of shows you that Cambosis or Haney hadn't been on ESPN or, or you know, really broadcasting championship level fights out there, you know. So considering it had a decent lead in, nothing like, you know, the Heisman or the college football stuff, but a decent lead in if you look at the actual rating. Um, but yeah, you know, in the main event, no surprise there, peaked uh, pretty damn high up to one. Well, the main event averaged one three two, I think. And then I think the main event peaked at one point three million five, one three five. So, um, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they'll do. But yeah, of course, uh, Bob was like, "Hey, let's let's do the Loma fight." You know what I mean? And I think that would be big, especially if they could keep it on normal uh, pay per view. The fall for college football to be able to not just advertise during it, which we do wish ESPN would do more of that. That's where Fox uh, did anyway hold the major advantage, but having that lead-in is, is huge, and uh, the lead-in, or in fact, they did do it in December um, for that Heisman, you know, post-Heisman show, that would be, that'd be a huge number, so we'll see, we'll see how this all plays out, don't really know exactly how, obviously, um, let me see here, oh yeah, so, well, <laughs> Also, the broadcast, now, I, I wasn't watching it live, so I was fast-forwarding the shit out of it later on ESPN Plus watching it. So, although, because so many fights on the undercard off TV were ending quick, the first four of them out of 11 or 12 ended really quick, there were some large gaps just at the venue I was at. But, you know, when you're on the broadcast, for it to have – you know, that long of gaps with Kriegel and, you know, it's, that's just, that's crazy. And I said this to the last main event, they went like three segments and three commercial breaks between they, you know, even getting to that one. And that was kind of crazy. But I did notice just by fast forwarding the shit going, holy shit, like here's Eric Raskin saying one round of boxing in the first 62 minutes of broadcast seems less than ideal. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much how it went. Um, so yeah, I I don't, you know, I I don't know. Like I, that's one of the major like Showtime last year and so far this year is probably the best fights in general, especially the main event, but. Their, their triple headers tend to be like two out of the three fights are interesting and intriguing, right? Um, whereas the zone, especially with the Golden Boy cards, you could see that. Um, this Bam Rodriguez card is a good example of like, okay, there's more than just the main event and prospects knocking somebody out on TV. But I'll say this, on average, I'm speaking, of course, we can always – point to everybody, but ESPN does have these, and maybe it's going to pay for, you know, it's going to pay him back in the future with some of these, these prospects. Don't get me wrong. I understand part of that. Um, like the first fight sometimes for Fox uh, primetime would have somebody under 10 fights, on, you know, five fights or whatever. So um, they did some of that as well, but it just generally, when you think of a triple header, Showtime 
is putting on the best fights top to bottom. And that's just a fact right now. Uh, whereas ESPN, whether it's the long breaks or the card itself just kind of sucks until the main event because it's filled with four rounders and six rounders and stuff like that. You know, I, I could see it on the first fight, a four or six rounder, just to talk about again and let them knock somebody out. And then like a legit co-feature, then the main event. But yeah, that, I'm not going to keep talking about it, but that was pretty crazy. Like I said, I, I didn't, I didn't have to put it up with it live, but man, almighty, that shit was like, home. I just kept fast forwarding. Like, Oh my God, they're still talking. Like you wonder why it didn't, you know, peak as high and you could see where the average was. The average could have been higher. And then the main event probably would have been peaking higher too. Now clearly having Fulton Roman going on for the hardcores that clearly took up some space, just like, you could see the rating once the Haney and Cambosis fight started, that affected uh, that card too on Showtime. You know what I mean? So, and in I'll say this: the co-feature for Showtime this last time was not good enough. I'll say that straight up. I love me some Darrell, you know, Morell, uh, Darrell, da- <laughs> David Morell Jr. Maybe he's going to fight Darrell next. I don't know, but um. You know, and I like that it was too, like, at least he got hit a couple times in the fight, you know. But it would have been nice if it was double the rounds. Would that end in the, was it the fourth round? It would have been nice if they doubled it where he got actually some two-way, had to worry about something throughout the fight for eight rounds. That would have been a lot better for him. But I don't look at that as, like, a great coat feature. You had the replay uh from last week, which obviously usually happens when they do a pay-per-view. Um, and then you had a co-feature that is not their normal co-feature, just to be fair about it. Um, but obviously their main event on paper was, uh, you know, a damn good fight, which Fulton took care of. We'll talk about that card a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and bring in John and get his thoughts on this Cambosis Haney, uh, you know, some of that Showtime card. Inoue and Donaire, too. Inoue just destroyed him. In fact, real quick, um, the first part of that round was kind of a feel-out round, no no big deal. But later in that first round, uh, anyway, landed multiple right hands. Um, and you could see that the fighters started mixing up down the stretch of that first round. Um, but I think one or two really nice right hands, one of them dropped, yeah, I think it was two uh, right hands, but one of them dropped Donaire, uh, nice little short one right on the temple just a perfect shot by Inoue second round a big right a nice combo big right hand and a left hook early kind of had um Donaire a little rattled from that that point on and uh more right hands after that just landing with accuracy and I think it was uh a couple more left hooks you know that landed on Donaire and then that left hook um stumbled Donaire and had him backpedaling barely and then it was just a flurry, I think, you know, another left hook and a, and a couple right hands in there, and it was over. Second round knockout. Now, most of us thought Inoue was going to win um, by knockout, and it, would, it wouldn't go as many rounds as it did or be that two-way, even though it was a one-sided win the first time. It had action, right? It had two-way action. Um, Inoue just destroyed him. <laughs> Just destroyed him. Now, it does seem like he's going to go on to Butler, potentially. 
and, uh, you know, fight for the undisputed. Maybe Fulton and MJ could be made. Fight for the undisputed to have those two meet. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take to make these fights. Hopefully both of them can do that, and then they can meet because NUA and Fulton is, is a great fight. And, I, and, I, and like I said earlier, Fulton has a tougher opponent, in my mind, with MJ than Butler for NUA. So I'm not trying to just skip past MJ. I'm not doing that at all. But on paper, you, I think you'd have to put Fulton first right now on paper. I'm not saying he's lineal. I'm just saying both of them fought Danny Roman. And although MJ won it, I thought a, a close competitive fight. He won the fight, though. Fulton and Roman was not close at all. And I'm not saying the triangle, A fighter A, B. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But that's how you measure when you're ranking. That's part of the measurement. How you won, how clearly you won, how much trouble you had, blah, 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 blah. Right? How many better wins you have than the next guy. And uh, Fulton has the better wins. And this head-to-head Roman thing, it's really not up for debate. That doesn't mean... Fulton's just going to, you know, whitewash MJ, just just so you know. I'm sure people have already messaged that, though. Anyway, um, like I said, we'll talk a little bit about that Fulton Roman uh, a little later. I'll give some details of that undercard as well. And like I said, we got a variety of news that we'll get to. Tiafima Lopez looking for a next opponent. Talk, you know, was calling out hey, Jose Ramirez as if he didn't want the fight, and his manager definitely, uh, you know, talked back to him. It was pretty funny. Um, and Jack Catterall was like, hey, man, I'll, I'll step up and fight you. I thought that was pretty funny. We'll go over some of that. And then also a question later in the show, is Oscar De La Hoya serious about making Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia? Because some new ar- a new article in, in just recent interviews, I wouldn't really say that he's uh, – all that serious, but who knows? Who knows? We, we definitely don't want to publicly. Um, it seems like he's already publicly talking about. Well, this is what it's going to be. Why don't you negotiate it behind closed doors? Spence and Crawford are literally negotiating right now. Have you heard these major things? Oh, he the demand. He wants to de- imagine if Eddie Hearn was. That's the one thing that really stands out. Two things that I don't like about Eddie Hearn. Uh, the in-house fights that he doesn't like to make unless it works for him just randomly, and the negotiation with the press. He does it way too much. It's ruined fights. It's slowed fights from being made. And when it's quiet, that's generally when it comes to negotiations. And I'm not talking about just random fights. I'm talking about big fights that are a little bit more complicated. You know what I mean? Um, And they have to be planned. They have to be executed. They have to be at the right venue. They have to be at the right time of the year, yada, yada, yada. Um, so we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Um, I do have some Eddie Hearn stuff that I'll talk about as well. Um, let's go ahead and bring in John and get his thoughts, the great boxing mind here. What's going on, John? How are you doing, sir? Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me, as always. Enjoyed hearing your lead-in. And uh, I agree with a, a lot of things you've said there, but we'll have to – I try to take it in order. Maybe we'll first look at Saturday night uh, as we go with things in order. Um, yeah, on the Showtime card, maybe just talk about that briefly first. 
Uh, Minneapolis, as we've talked about, your home area is it's proving to be a, a great venue, comes across on TV well. Um, you know, we saw David Morrell basically in a showcase fight. I mean, I like a lot what Morrell is doing because what really he's won me over with is, and he's saying it, but he's doing it in the ring as well. Um, he's saying, you know, I'm in the pro game. I've got to be entertaining. I've got to build a name to go after these guys and get them out of there. Even though, you know, his nature probably is that's a boxer with the amateur pedigree he has coming up in the Cuban system. But he's gone out there and done that. Uh, I really like that. Um, one thing I haven't heard said before, but I noticed it for the first time Saturday night, is you know, there's my thinking on it, that, you know, in the amateur game, especially when you had that point counting for a long time and the coach, the coach to that, you saw a lot of similarities uh, between, you know, a lot of the great Cuban amateurs and some of the former Soviet bloc country fighters, like a lot of the Ukrainians and some of the others uh, fighting in that style. And then, you know, they, they had to, a lot of them didn't, but had to adjust to becoming more entertaining in the pros. And when I look at Morel, it kind of reminds me some of of a of a Usyk um, with what he brings to the table, you know, with with the southpaw style, the good height for the division, throwing a lot of punches. Um, Usyk, a really good boxer who who can be aggressive and throw a lot of punches. Um, you know, Morel's really taken that on the way up to even a higher level. But, you know, when Usyk was coming up at Cruiserweight, he, he was stopping that, you know, his, his opponents, almost all of them as well. So I, I, for the first time, I thought a little bit of that, uh, both guys at least making that adjustment to being a little more aggressive in the pros, throwing a lot of punches, and, and Morrell really taking that to even a higher level. But, of course, against lesser opposition. So I like that. Now, just briefly, to wrap up that fight, what, what I didn't like is, and I, I feel like I gotta finally say this because I think you know Showtime knows better. I like a lot of what Stephen Espinosa has said over the years. I think he's always been a pretty credible guy in the boxing world, and he's done. So I, I like him. But with, with all that said, you know, we, we saw it up there with the graphics. I mean, Showtime's putting out there, and and you know you were there that this is for the WBA super middleweight title with no qualification i mean you know come on i mean let's you know let, let's not do, let's not do that i mean just you just got to say it i mean you know is there a oh, real yeah, no doubt no doubt uh, that canelo is a 168 pound champion i mean i think there's too many divisions as it is but for god's sakes if we're going to have 17 divisions and one guy is clearly the man in that division. I mean, let, let's let's not do things like that without qualification. I mean, you really don't need it to promote it. I mean, I think it's totally overrated. I mean, who, who is this foolish casual fan that is flipping channels and sees David Morrell and decides to stay because they say it's for the WBA super middleweight title? You know, when really it's not. I mean, you know, what is that? If it's anybody, what is that? Five five viewers? I mean, come come on. I mean, let's let's not do you know fighting this Henderson guy. Let let's not do that. Let let's let's stop doing that. And they've got Moro front manning on it. 
in a, on a lot of the cards and just just stop that blather and, and that stuff. So you know, I'm, I'm not. They all do it, but I'm just saying. You were no, saying, I think that's oh, fair. Showtime, yeah, Showtime's on a good roll with what they're putting on. I'll be the first to say it. I support it. Uh, let, let's just, you know, it's kind of like a you're better than that kind of a thing. I mean, like, sure, you're better than that. Even if they didn't stay with it, it was a lot of years. And, Chris, you know, you've been following this as long as I have. You know, you'll remember it. I mean, because it wasn't like one night. I mean, there was a long time you know, HBO where they didn't acknowledge it. And, all right, they didn't stay with that, but they did it for a long time. I liked it. BBC did it, you know, initially. I liked it. You know, they, they gave in on it, but, you know, we, we we have at least seen it for a while. I mean, you know, so I think, you know, Showtime is certainly a big enough player in sport. They, they don't need it, so I don't like to see that. Um, then the main event, I'm like every – well, most people are starting to be. I mean, I think early on I was pretty high on Stephen Fulton. I like what he can do. I agree with this idea that he can do a lot of things in the ring. Um, like you said, he beat Roman, you know, better than anybody has recently. I don't think Roman looked that good, but of course, part of it's in, he's, in, he's in with Fulton. I regard him highly as a fighter, like others do. I, you know, Fulton made him look bad, but I also think maybe in his thirties, that's a low weight class for that age. He he may have seen not taking anything away from Fulton's victory, but Roman might have seen some better days. Um, but one thing I do disagree with that I think we're going to have to look at going forward is as good as Stephen Fulton is, and, and you point out correctly, I think we've got to go with the right analysis. And he's getting close to that lineal 122. Uh, he is the number one guy. I think everybody looks at it that way in the rankings. He's earned that by the level of opposition, and that's the way you should do it. With all that understood, um, and he's coming off of fight of the year candidate in his fight with Figueroa, which I thought was very close. I thought really Figueroa could have gotten that, but that was a great fight, and I don't argue with Fulton getting the decision. It was that close. Um, but with all that understood, this was kind of a less entertaining performance, and I think we're getting in the point Stephen Fulton's career when, and this is what people aren't saying, and I think got to start saying, he, he can't. He really can't punch. Now, he does have a couple of punch knockouts against lesser opposition, but I think we've seen enough now at the higher level that I'm with everybody else. The guy can fight inside. The guy can fight outside. He can box. He's got the punch variety. He's got the toughness. He's got the versatility. I'm with everybody on all that, but I think what we're going to start throwing in there is guys got a puncher, and I don't know where that's going to come in. I don't think Against Akhmedaliev, even though he's good, I don't think that necessarily will come in. Like, if they were going to fight, I'd favor Fulton. And I haven't really made up my mind on this because I do agree that Fulton's a little bigger physically. And I don't know, we're not at the point where we would know how this would even happen, but at least people are talking about it a lot. So it seems to be a big potential. You know, if we were to take on it in a way, even though in a way he's coming all the way up, you know, where he was at, once at 108 pounds. He's got the speed and power. It's only four pounds higher. If that matchup ever does happen, Fulton might have some problems with being underpowered there, even though he might be a bit bigger of a guy physically that with the speed and power in a way brings, you know, if he's not deterring, that's a problem. Now, we're, we're probably 
hopefully way down the road from that, you know, a box of dirt, if that fight can happen. But I think it's worth you know, since it's a big discussion this week. Um, yeah, so no, then, you're right. We went, Definitely. He's got plenty yeah. of some pop or whatever and accuracy, and he can stumble a guy and all that. But overall, as far as power, power, um, I think that's correct. I think we've seen it enough now. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, man. I would he can do everything. I think we got to get into the he can do everything but that. He's not a puncher. I think right. that needs to start being thrown in. That even for 122 pounds, where you know, you're not bringing the perspective power of heavyweights, he's not a puncher. Um, yeah. That's something that is probably going to have to deal with going on. He fights some even tougher opposition than Roman. Not that Roman's not tough and, and Fulton has fought tough opposition because Figueroa's got power and you know, he survived that. He got the win. Um, you know, he's he laying a puncher. So, you know, if, when he fights somebody who really brings some pop and has some skill, in a way, would fit that bill. And, you know, there might be others down the road. Could be a, could be a problem, but uh, Fulton, you know, does a lot of work. And then Haiti Cambosos, I agree with a lot of what you said, Chris. Um, you know, and, and I'm one, I always say this on here because it's my philosophy, but, you know, I've talked about the exceptions to it where, um, you know, if a guy like Haney, to me, he was pretty much just jabbing. His defense was real good, but, you know, we're in the pro game. He really wasn't aggressive. He was just kind of defending and jabbing. Um, I'm inclined to give him rounds in the pro game because I think that's what you have to have to have a sport, and I think that's where effective aggression comes from. But I'm with you, and I've said this before, he has to do something. Even if he's missing a lot, he's got to be really aggressive, throwing a lot of punches, landing a few. I'm with you and the vast majority of other people. This did fit for me as one of those instances where Cambosos just did not do enough. I mean, I, I was not getting him around. He, uh, he wasn't doing enough. And, and, you know, I, I saw you tweeted – how afterwards, and I was seeing the thing, um, you know, when he had two or three instances in the fight, and I don't mean this as a compliment, you know, when he looked like Dillian White in there, in there throwing crazy bombs and missing any by mile and falling all over him, I mean, you're not winning, you know, you're not winning now. I mean, uh, so, but, you know, he was just jabbing, jabbing, jabbing. The part I disagree with you a little bit is he wasn't throwing any power punches. I'm not saying he didn't throw any, but not much. One thing, you know, like others, but hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. You're kind of breaking up right now a little bit, and okay. I want to make sure we can hear. It's kind of in and out. Like I hear you, hear you, and then it kind of breaks up. Then I kind of hear you, hear you. I'm glad you mentioned it. So we want to make sure. We're in a good spot. Can you hear me a little better now? Right now I can, yeah. That's a better spot. Okay. Let's see. Let's see how that goes. But just getting back to Haney, you know, he he wasn't throwing that many power punches to me. Um but you know, I was tending to think he didn't have power, but as as I'm watching, and and it wasn't that he really did anything with Cambosa Saturday night, but when I'm looking at the way closely the way Haney fights he may be one of those guys, like, you know, you've heard me say before with a guy like a Billy Joe Saunders, a Caleb Plant, a Lara, he might be able to hit harder than you think, but he just chooses not to. Like, and, you know, 
that really has come to fruition as we've seen Laura now fighting at age 40 plus at middleweight. You know, he's, he's using that style because he had to adjust. He's knocking people out. So, you know, there was power in Laura's before that. It, it just was a style he wasn't fighting in. I mean, I'm willing to even consider Haney could be one of those guys. In other words, you know, maybe as he gets older and, and sits down a little more and, and feels he doesn't have to be as defensive or maybe really down the line where he doesn't have the same quickness, maybe there's some more power there than we think. But he's not using it at this stage of his career. I mean, we, we've seen that enough. And, and I, I thought, like you said, you know, going forward, it could be a problem. But, but again, I agree with you. I don't usually like that old adage about, well, win today and look good tomorrow because I think it's pro boxing. And I feel like you're always building yourself up. Like when Emmanuel Stewart correctly always said, you know, fans love knockouts. I've even heard some of the commentators in the UK, I think correctly say that, Hey, you know, us fans, there's going to be times they want to see you bang it out. You know, they, they want to see some knockouts and, you're not going to be that popular if you don't do it. Um, But with that understood, I'm with you. I think that Haney at 23 years old, and this is to me where when you have a truly significant title, not just the alphabet stuff, like, for example, let's make up a scenario. If this was Haney's first fight for, I'm just going to make something up, you know, for a WBO belt and he fought like that and people were watching it, he might be subject to some criticism, but, but this was the title, and let's say it was in Las Vegas right. or something. But he, he's fighting right. in Australia. Yeah. He's 23 that's years old. Example. This is for the title. And I think that's what's good about when it is for the title is that, you know, the objective here, and he knows he's got a rematch clause. He knows that going in. Mm-hmm. I think this was one of those instances, you know, and I had him winning just about every round too, but, you know, it was one of those instances look better tomorrow, get this win. You know, you're in Australia, it's for the title, forget the WBC stuff, but I mean, this is the lineal lightweight title, a historic division, you know, get the job done. He's in Australia, you don't know what judging you're going to get. And I thought he clearly won the fight. The job was good. Of course, that was the strength of the performance. And like you said, the defense, Cambosis wasn't really hitting him. Um, no excuses for Cambosos, but just you, you do have to say it when you're evaluating a fight. I mean, he missed weight initially. He made the crazy excuse. <laughs> Probably evidence that he wasn't in the best condition. You know, we, we've seen that from, I'm not saying Cambosos by any means is a great fighter. He hasn't proven that. But, you know, we've seen that in the past, you know, from great fighters like, you know, Muhammad Ali, uh, you know, Roberto Duran. You know, maybe, maybe you come off a big win. And you're not, you know, you're not in the best shape the next time around. Uh, it just happens sometimes in boxing. I don't think it would have changed the result, but uh, there might be a chance Cambosos. I, I think it's probably likely coming off of what he was coming off of that he probably wasn't in the best shape. And I think Haney still would have won, but maybe Cambosos would have looked a little better because he's shown me at least in the Lopez fight and some others, the one thing the guy does have, he, he's got some pretty fast hands and that should have allowed him to at least be aggressive with Haney and, and land something, you know, like I said, I don't think it would have changed the result, but the guy really wasn't landing anything. He wasn't winning any rounds. I don't think the rematch, you know, is a Cambosos win 
by any means or anything like that, but I, I think we could say he could come in better shape at least. Um, like you said, and other people, it's not that any of us are really looking necessarily to see it, but when you really put yourself in the Cambosos camp shoes, they probably do have to take it. I mean, the, the contract, and, and let me just clarify, Chris, this is one thing that uh, gets yeah. confusing with the difference with the difference between the alphabet stuff and actual contract, without reading the contract, we've seen some of these in recent years. You know, my understanding would be, you know, it's a contractually obligated rematch. So Haney really can't fight without paying damages, you know, at any weight or for anything, unless sure. he gives them this rematch. It's not an alphabet, you know, situation where the alphabet If he just moved mandating, up to 140... He'd still be right. He'd still have to go through a lawsuit, probably to to exactly. Be, that's the difference, right? That's the key difference, right. and I think that's the thing. Now, in I don't necessarily agree with that part, but in the Fury Wilder arbitration, it was mm-hmm. contractual, but the judge said the the arbitrator, excuse me, who was a former judge, he did say right. that. Because Wilder needed that W, it's complicated, but he said because Wilder needed that WBC belt shot. In other words, that if he wasn't going to be able to fight for that next, that that was going to damage him. The judge used that as part of his rationale, yeah. but it right. wasn't. It wasn't like a WBC mandated rematch, uh, and that's sure. like this yeah. would be too. Like it's not. There's no alphabet saying they got to fight again next. It's in the contract. So just like you said correctly, the way I think this one would read, um, if Haney goes to 140 or fights somebody else, right, he could get shelved and have to pay damages. So I think in these cases, the re- these are one of these rematches are going to happen. You know, with an alphabet yeah. rematch, you could just dump the belt in the bin and go on. And, and, you know, we've seen that a lot of times in boxing history. I mean, if it makes sense, and I get that, but – I think we'll probably then we're going to get this rematch. Cambosos is going to have to take it. I mean, when you really think of his options, he's probably got to take it. So uh, we don't necessarily want it, but we're probably going to see it again. Now, that's where, what Haney could really help himself is if he thinks, okay, I got this guy's number. I'm more confident now. I've been to Australia. I'm comfortable. I'm going to take this guy out. Um, you know, and we've seen things like that before. We're, we're going to get there which was kind of an example of one of those things. Um, so it happened that time. Uh, you know, that, that is an old boxing adage. Uh, boxing magazines and writers, it's the the more decisive win in the rematch rule. That, you know, if, if one fighter has won the first fight pretty decisively, that it's going to be more decisive in the rematch. Of course, it doesn't always happen, but, but that, that was one of those old boxing guru adages. So, you know, if Haney could follow that rule, uh, you know, he would help he would help his stock. So that would probably be his incentive for that. But I think, like it or not, we're, we're probably going to see that rematch. Yeah, and it, even reading a little bit about, you know, what he made, like somewhere around 6 or $7 million, um, from like a $10 million deal – if he can get that again, yeah, it'd be hard to be like, nah, I'll just wait for a bigger, you know, a different opportunity down the line. You know what I mean? It's like, ah, no, I think he'd probably take that money. I do wonder, though, you know, is that like the deal that they made with the – well, they didn't necessarily make a 
Well, they kind of made a deal with the government too, right? Because they gave money. So some sort of deals had to be, you know, they don't just hand you a check and it's over. Um, is that a did the gov is the government funding some of this for both fights too? That would be kind of interesting. I'm assuming uh, it would be something like that. This fight may be in an arena. It may be outdoors again. You'd assume. I don't know. But like you said, more than likely he's going to have uh, back to Australia, and it definitely could go down that way. Like you said about um, you know about coming back, you know, a little more more confident. Um, and obviously, there's no excuse if Cambosis didn't come in tip-top shape because he's the one who always said, you know, I could make weight tomorrow, you know, like uh, three weeks before the fight. You know, he was saying so much stuff. He knew he was fighting. He knew pretty much close to the date for a while. He fought a long time ago now, so he had plenty of time. But I did that, uh, that deception quote where he said, I took a piss, simple and easy. The art of war, baby, deception. Um, let them believe this was done. Everything is a process, art of war, deception. I did it on purpose. It's like, come on, dude. First of all, that's just, no, you didn't do it, you know, on purpose. And second right, of all, you so much Yeah, and if, you're, if you are going the deception route, then you shouldn't tell anybody till after the fight, dude. You know what I mean? Because then all of a sudden, Haney hears that and goes, okay, let me make sure that I'm, you know, not mentally even checked out a percentage point, you know what I mean? So that always cracked me up. And and ever since he's won, to be fair, well, he was talking a bunch of trash before, to be fair, before the Lopez fight. But some of the antics, which I get it, it sells a fight. By the way, Australia, top-ranked Ludabella, they did a great job over there selling the fight. There was a lot of interviews, a lot of media stuff. Maybe, you know, I didn't see one commercial for it here, but as far as over there, uh, they were doing a lot of press, so that was cool. But, yeah, for the, you know, he, just that entrance walk for the, the that press conference, that was corny as hell. Um, his dad looking like he's a mafioso. It was just kind of like, wow, these guys are really going for it. But I get it. You know, everybody's got their own way. Some dudes are more laid back. Some guys uh, need this to pump it up. And, it, you know, obviously it sold well over there. And it did a pretty damn good rating here, considering uh, their ratings right, you know, post-pandemic, so or post-COVID, the start of COVID, I should say. So, uh, but overall, yeah, I mean, what do you see? Do you see anything different, really? I mean, beyond like a round or two? I mean, maybe he can actually win four rounds, you know, not, not like what the judges said, but maybe he could win four rounds. And is it literally him having to be the rough-and-tumble guy and – it was kind of clear that he's not that type of fighter. He's not a come-forward fighter that can cut off the ring and stuff because, to be fair, Devin wasn't moving a whole lot as far as on his bike, you know, like moving the whole time. He was moving, but it was subtle yeah, no, he stuff was, he wasn't, that he kept wasn't, him in range. He wasn't running. Yeah, he no, wasn't running. He close. was giving some movement. And, and I, I don't like when a guy runs. Now, he wasn't running. He was giving some movement, but he wasn't running. Now, here, here's, you know, don't want to be too inconsistent on Cambosos, but like the like the famous economist Keynes, he always gets credit with this quote, which as I've gotten older, if you're smart, you know, when, when the, the facts change, my opinion changes. In other words, I didn't think, here's what I'm going to get to. I didn't think Cambosos was that good going into the Lopez fight. 
he started off much stronger. And when one of the reasons was I didn't think he could punch. Um, he dropped Lopez early, came out aggressively, looked good uh, in the first half of that fight. Then Lopez came out, came on, almost took him out, uh, but didn't finish that strong and very close decision, really, in the end. And then we saw this fight with Haney. So I have more facts. So what I'm getting to now is I'm kind of now adjusting my opinion on Cambosos a little bit again. I didn't think he yeah. was that good. Um, he looked good for six rounds against Lopez. Then he looked okay after that. Not bad, but not like he did in the first six rounds. And he didn't look very good against Haney. So, you know, my opinion has to and change Mickey again. Bay, too. When you look at that Mickey Bay, we didn't get a chance right. to talk about this, but I went back and watched that Mickey Bay fight, and he fights, uh, like, as far as a comp, you know, to actually comp- compare stuff. It was a decent comparison because Mickey's at range. He likes to throw the jab. He likes to pot shot with the right. right. And I went back and watched that fight. I was like, shit, dude, Haney's going to win this fight cleanly. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, I looked at Cambosos that way going into the Lopez fight and then felt wrong. So you're like, oh, I got it. And, you know, again, like Keen said, you got to see more facts. You got to change a little. So I'm like, okay, maybe Cambosos is a little better than I thought. He dropped Lopez. But, you know, Lopez came on in the second half, almost took him out. And then you, you just saw these 12 rounds against Haney. You, you got to look at now you've got even more facts that, you know, maybe our evidence really is that Tiafimo Lopez was complacent, came out weak, and got caught by, you know, a, a shot that, and really, because Cambosos does not have a history of doing that, you know, may, maybe just got caught with a shot that's out of character for Cambosos, and then he got his act together, almost took him out, almost won the fight, and then we saw Cambosos get dominated by Haney, you know, I'm going to go back to, to me, you know, the jury's out on exactly how good Cambosos is. Now, if he was completely terrible, you know, he would have gotten knocked out by Lopez and Haney. So we, we got to be fair there now. You know, Selby and Bay can't punch at all, so that's a different story. Uh, and Haney, like I said, the jury's out. I don't know either way, but we know Tiafimo Lopez can punch. And he, he dropped Cambosos, but he didn't take him out. So, you know, Cambosos, we can't say – you know, you're not going to say he's a bad fighter or anything like that. You know, he's decent, he's competent, he's, you know, a legit top 10 type guy. But is he, probably the jury's out, is he a top of the division guy? You know, that, that he's going to have to show something in this Haney rematch if we're going to believe that. And, and I think that that may turn out not to be the case. Now, I think in, in a rematch, which I think is going to happen, I mean, Cambosis will be in better shape. You know, like you said, it was his fault he's not in shape. It's nobody else's fault but him. But, you know, Haney will probably be more confident. He's going to be more familiar uh, with having been in Australia, being, being more comfortable. I'd like to see Haney let go with more power punches in a rematch and, and you know, work on putting some hurt on Cambosis if he can and, and maybe trying to get him out of there. That's what we'll see. I mean, Cambosos, he probably can't do much worse than he, than he's done. I mean, even if he gets taken out in rematch, he he can be in better shape and probably. I do think he's got pretty fast hands, so he, he should be able to land a bit more than he did. But he doesn't have a history as a puncher, so uh, outside of that knockdown with Lopez, uh, you know, I I don't even know Haney, you know, maybe got buckled a bit against Linares, but I don't 
think that necessarily means Cambosos is going to be able to get in better shape and take him out. So I, I don't, you know, so I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's going to change. And, you know, we, we know in the U S people sometimes, I think they forget about the basics. I mean, you know, we're not, you know, it's not, it's not a rock concert tour and, uh, you know, it's not 1950. I mean, it's nice to have a, a good gate. They make money off it. But U.S. TV and all sports drives everything, and that's got more money going for it than anything else in the world. Um, so what I'm saying here is whatever deal they were able to work, they were able to work on this one where it was on ESPN in the U.S., um, you know, which is – we know Disney. Uh, so – they can do it again. What I'm saying is, and so I think we'd have a rematch there too, because whatever they were able to work out in this contract, it can be on ESPN in the U S got a solid rating. So yeah, they're going to want that Bob Arum, you know, the way the ESPN deal works, uh, that is been clear over the recent years. I mean, top rank makes those calls for ESPN. I mean, sometimes TV can say what they want, but I mean, in other words, ESPN's delegating that to top rank, saying, you know, you bring us what we're going to show, that type of thing. So what I'm saying is we know top rank can deliver this to ESPN with the TV deals. So that's already out of the way, and we know how much of a trouble that can be in the U.S. So that, to me, again, indicates we're going to have this rematch because they can put it on ESPN in the fall, like you said, and, you know, maybe they'll have a college football lead-in or something like that. But, you know, U.S. TV tends to control this stuff, especially when American fighters involved. So I think we'll we'll get this rematch on ESPN, but I think Haney will win it again. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and then lastly, uh, Anyway, in Donaire, uh, yesterday morning, I uh, wasn't going to wake up or stay up late, so I just woke up and uh, when I woke up naturally and then uh, watched it on ESPN Plus. But um, what would you think? I mean, you know, I, I mean, most people thought Anyway would take care of business quicker this time. I didn't expect it to be that quick. <laughs> and this guy, I mean. He is just so explosive, so accurate. Some of his punches are so short and right on the button. His hand speed, um, you know, when he smells that blood in the water, he's, he's, he attacks. Um, just a phenomenal fighter, this guy, this, this anyway. And, and, yeah, you know, yeah I, I, I did Opposition, it. I did too, it. you know, for a while now. It, it's been – he's impressive, man. And, and if someone wants to say he's the number one pound for pound – I can't sit there and have a huge, huge debate with him. No, I agree. I mean, he's taking care of business, and you know I like that. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm not really going to debate that either at this point. Um, you know, I I thought he could end it this early. I mean, I, re- I really did in this rematch. I can't say I, I said it was going to happen for sure. I thought it would be a KO, but um, – there's a there's some minority that agrees with me here. I I know it's the minority, but I I thought it going in. I said it, and you know I certainly of course feel it today. I mean I thought in a way could have done this the first time. And you know this is controversial with a lot of people, but I know it was three years ago. Yeah, I know it's the rematch. It can change sometimes. Blah blah blah. But to me, it does kind of reflect. I didn't think that first fight was as competitive as people made out. 
Yeah, Darnell landed a couple of shots. He wasn't winning any rest, really. Uh, in a way, would have had him out. Uh, if the ref didn't make a bad call, that, I, that I'd said. Some others said, some didn't. But, I mean, I think we saw, again, some evidence of that just the, uh, the other day uh, with this second-round stoppage. Um, I think Inouye could have done this to him the first time. Uh, he, he backed off, and I said this in the first fight. I said this before this fight. You know, Donaire, we know he can punch with the left hook, but, you know, late 30s for a bantamweight, I don't care, even if you're Nonito Donaire, uh, you know, that's old because those, I mean, those weights, you rely on quickness. I mean, those are, those are weights when the, where the quickness is paramount, even if you've got power. So, and even if you've got some size for that weight. So, you know, Donaire to me was always in dangerous waters, uh, you know, fighting at bantam weight at that age. Um, And, you know, this time, and and this is to his credit, because, you know, a lot of times we don't see this. And I, I like to remind myself even to give credit when something like this happens. This is to credit, in a way and his corner and his camp that you could see I could see right going off in this rematch they also made that calculation and in other words I saw in a way letting go with the bombs very early in the first round in this fight not giving as much ground not backing off letting go with the real power shots in other words he and his corner his camp obviously made that determination and, you know, you were talking about, and a lot of people, of course, talking about, yeah, Donaire was really hurt in the first round when he got dropped. But what I'm going to say, and I was thinking this as I watched that first round, right before he even got dropped, I saw Inouye catch him with a, a right hand and a left hook, and I thought he was hurt. I, I, I just looked at him and I said, he's hurt. And, and then he got dropped shortly after that. So I thought Inouye came out with the right attitude. Like, look, I gave this guy too much ground, too much respect the first time. I'm not going to do that here. I'm just going to do my thing right off the bat. And, you know, that and that led to things ending quickly. And I agree with what you said. And, you know, with a lot of people are correctly saying, this guy, it's the combination, like you said, it, it, it's, he's, he's fast, which you got to be at those lower weights, but he's got the power, which – I think it was Andre Ward was saying it. And, you know, sometimes Andre Ward will say some things you don't like, but the guy's very insightful. I like listening to him. I, I do think he, he breaks things down real well most of the time. And I, I think he was saying it correctly that, you know, you, you don't, in the lower weights, you're not seeing that kind of power a lot. That is different. Now, look at his brother fought earlier, and people say he looks good and stuff, but the guy can't punch at all, even for, even for the lower weights. And, I don't find him that entertaining to watch because he, he, he just he brings nothing with, with power, absolutely nothing. And it's funny that Nanawa is just the opposite. I mean, he, he, he has that kind of speed and punch variety, and he throws all the punches well, like you're saying, and I agree. But he's got the power. So, and, and he works the body well, too. He didn't even need that, really, this week. But, but he has that in his arsenal. We, we've seen that before. Uh, so, yeah, it's real good. And and I think this is one point we got to make about the alphabets. I got to say it because this kind of stuff's getting on my nerves. I mean, I'll mention it in both instances from the last few days, because I think it's actually two good examples. I mean, it's, it's insane to think that Cambosos wasn't 
the champion going in, and now Haney's the champ. I mean, you want it in the ring. That's what you do. Because if, if we were going to think anything differently, I mean, I mean, Chris, think you've been following boxing a long time. I mean, think of how insane it is. I mean, a WBC unification of their own lightweight belt. I mean, it doesn't even it doesn't even make any sense. It's it's literally insane. It's it's nonsensical. I mean, how how do they have to have their own lightweight title unified a wbc lightweight unification a dispute between the wbc's own title i mean whatever you think about it it's just crazy it's just cambosas was the champ and he beat him he, he dominated the fight he beat him now he's the champ that's the way you win it in the ring and then got to talk about it with in a way this week i mean the wbo hands paul butler a belt how is that a dispute who is the bantamweight champion when Inouye just blows away Donaire. I mean, there is no dispute. I mean, you'd have to be a lunatic to think that Paul Butler is the bantamweight champion of the world, right? I mean, to have a dispute, I mean, the definition of the word dispute, somebody's got to think you're the champion, right? I mean, Paul, do you think Paul Butler's the bantamweight champion of the world? I mean, nobody does. It's crazy. No. So, Right. So, I mean, so some promoter, that's what I'm saying. So some promoter or TV, and this is what people got to get wise. So some promoter or TV network is going to tell you that because they want you to pay to watch Paul Butler, a a waste, a trash fight that nobody needs. But but they're going to say, no, no, he needs to do this fight for history. I mean, come on. I mean, they're going to sell you oceanfront property in Arizona. I mean, Nobody needs to see in a way Paul Butler. I mean, I don't. Well, because if I the thing is, if I saw uh, Fulton against Inouye without him fighting Butler, John, I just wouldn't mean the same. You know, it just wouldn't feel as good. You couldn't watch. I wouldn't be as pumped. I wouldn't be as pumped. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. I mean, exactly. That's a perfect example. Let's forget TV and all this stuff for a moment. I mean. Do you want to see Fulton fight Inouye tomorrow, or do you want to see Inouye fight Paul Butler? Now, we know that's not the choice because of boxing politics, but that is what right. I'm getting at. Like, that would be crazy to think, oh, no, I need, I need to see Inouye take care of business against Paul Butler first, or I'm that's not going to be satisfied. I mean, if you think that. Yeah, best, you know, you best fight the best, but he just fought the number two guy in the division. So this isn't right. the best fight in the best, then. So it's actually anti-best exactly. versus best. Bingo, and and I'd shame, and and so far to me, it's been good because I don't think he's really bought into this. And again, it has to do with promotion TV. But like, Shakur Stevenson just dominated Valdez. I mean, I don't need Shakur Stevenson to knock out Gutierrez for me to feel satisfied. I mean, like, I don't feel like an unfinished business, you know, because the one and the two guy just fought and. Stevenson became the real champ that no, 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 he's got to fight Gutierrez now. I mean, come on. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, it, then you've got to start recognizing WB. Cause again, if you go on what the alphabets say, which is what these people are trying to tell you, and you can't question the alphabets. Well, then is like I said earlier, is Morell a WBA, you know, super middleweight champion is, is tank the lightweight, you know, does Tank have a dispute? I mean, Tank's a great fighter, but does that mean, no, no, there's a dispute. You know, he's got the WBA regular lightweight belt. I mean, so if we can ignore those, we that means by definition we're ignoring what the alphabets say. So, you know, I don't need to see Butler in a way. 
I don't need to see Stevenson Gutierrez. Let's move on to better fights. And I think the good thing about the TV and the boxing promotional part with Stevenson is the logic. I mean, look, Bob Aram's got Haney now. He's got Lomachenko. You know, they got Teofimo Lopez, even though he's going to fight at 140 now. I mean, and I think Shakur Stevenson senses this. You know, why is he going to play around with, with guys that are his inferiors at 130 pounds? Uh, if it's not a big seller anyway, no, he's going to, you know, he, he's, he's, he's you know, a top up and coming fighter, you know, an Olympic silver medalist. He's going to, he's going to want bigger game. So that might take care of itself, but let, let's not, I mean, if it, let's call in a way Butler, what it is, if it happens, I mean, it's, it's a time waster. It, it's not a, a fight we need. Right. I mean, if he gets made, it gets made. I'm not going to destroy it, but I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, dude, the undisputed, this is so odd, you know, because every undisputed right. or unification, for that matter, is different. Everything, you got to judge it one by one because sometimes, right. you know, you, 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 the fighters just kind of fell into it. It's like, it's not like uh, Usyk one by one, you know what I mean? Whereas everyone had four different belts and stuff like that, and they all fired, you know, they did a round, or not a round robin, but a tournament. Um, and, and sometimes you get undisputed. Like, look at the, the difference between Crawford and the, the, one, the recent one, Taylor, you know. It got set up differently. Uh, they had a, a tournament for some of it, and then ultimately you had Ramirez and Taylor fighting. So they went through a variety of guys, whereas the guy who Crawford fought, Postal, and that was pretty much lineal right there. So that that summed up the best fight in the division that could be made at that right. time. And then the other stuff happened, and it's cool, and it's and it's a it's a good change and all that. But we all know the guy he beat, you know, it, it wasn't much there in Dongo. You know what I mean? So I don't look at that as some kind of great fight. It's still an achievement. It's still a resume thing. But yeah, we got to keep everything in perspective. If, in fact, we're talking best versus best, which everybody loves to throw around, which is pretty much impossible, um, you know, uh, every fight out, let's put it that way. Um, right, but the people Eddie, that want – Go ahead, go ahead. I'll just throw – yeah, let me just throw in, Chris, because I just wanted to jump on what you said because I got something to tie into it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the people that want to talk positive about modern boxing, I mean, I agree with something there, and – I'm going to talk transnational, just, you know, you could look at Ring, but Ring's owned by a promoter. I'm glad Ring's still going. I like the history. I think that's a good thing, but you have to have a check on it because a promoter does own it. So that's why I'm saying if you look at transnational, which you have to have no conflicts, um, you know, there's now 11 out of, even with all the new divisions, you know, 11 out of 17 divisions have a champ. And, you know, I can go over the last 30 years where you look at the ring before there was transnational or then when you had transnational on the ring, you know, there was all kinds of vacancies, legitimate vacancies. These weren't filled. And it ties in with what you just said. The idea is when the number one, the true number one and the true number two guys in the division fight, you get these vacancies filled. So that's happening, but it's just like you said. It doesn't have to happen based on alphabet belts. It's just when the one and the two guys in the division fight, then that takes care of it. It's like when Stevenson, you know, fought Valdez. I mean, that that does it. You know, that, that takes care of it. When Inouye just fought Donaire, 
uh, that takes care of it. You don't need all the alphabet belt stuff. So we can look at that and say, yes, I've got to admit, I don't even know exactly why it's happening or how it's happening. I haven't really figured that out yet myself, but knowing boxing history, when you've got, you know, even in these modern weight classes, 17, and you've got 11 of those filled, that's a lot more than we've seen over the last 30 years. So something, yeah. something is happening positive there. If you're somebody that just wants positive news, I'm with you. It's happening. You don't need to talk about the alphabet stuff, though. It's just the fact that somehow or other, the one and two guys are starting to fight each other, and they're, they're filling these gaps, and that definitely is a good thing for boxing. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, anything else from the weekend that you'd like uh, to discuss? Or, I mean, obviously it's a, it's kind of a light weekend this weekend. There's a lot of, uh, you know, prospect-level stuff, dudes trying to be contenders. There's some decent fights on paper maybe. Sometimes, you know, we'll get a really good fight, a fun, spirited two-way fight out of this stuff. Showbox, we'll see what that is. You know, ESPN has a card. DAZN, I believe has two cards, but any other uh, items you want to talk about, whether it's from this last weekend or just in general? Yeah, I think real quick, because Mungia, who I like, but now I'm getting with everybody else with his lack of opposition. It's starting to turn me off. You know, he's fighting really poor opposition this weekend. It kind of ties in with something I just started thinking about over the last maybe day or two. Um, let's, let's look at, you know, because, you know, boxing, we always have all kinds of different national fan bases, ethnic fan bases. It's good that you like fighters of all different nationalities, ethnicities, etc. But, you know, boxing does have some history of that. I, I was starting to think, you know, Oscar De La Hoya and, you know, DeZone, Golden Boy, you know, there's potential there where you look at, you know, a West Coast-based audience, Mexican, Mexican-American, you've got Zerto, you've got Ryan Garcia, you know, you've, you've got Virgil Ortiz, and you've got Munguia, but he's not really moving them forward, and DeZone just, it's not hating on DeZone or everything, it's just the facts with broadcasting reach, streaming reach, they don't have the subscribers, you know, Ryan Garcia, and I don't fault him on this, I think it's a good thing, like some people knock him on it, but I think it does matter, I mean, he's got a big social media following, so that makes up for it, but he's not getting that much exposure on his own. Now, they run ads for him, but you've got those four. I'm saying as a positive, like, I mean, if Oscar and Golden Boy at some point really want to make an effort to make some big fights for these guys, there's a lot of potential there, but I don't, I actually don't even see it happening. I don't see it on the horizon, and I started thinking, so let's look at who – PBC and Showtime have uh, because they haven't been running Fox much. You know, it looks like it's going to be Showtime from here on out and Showtime pay-per-view until further notice. You know, even though he's down now, I think you still got to mention Andy Ruiz because he's a heavyweight. And let's say yeah, they yeah. do make the Ortiz fight and he's impressive. Hey, he's a heavyweight. He's knocked out Joshua. You know, he, he, he's Mexican, Mexican-American. I mean, that's, you know, you could sell. that's marketable. Yeah. You could sell that. Yep. Then, then they've got, you know, you got the up and And it does colors. sound like that fight's going to happen, by the way. It just has That's what I mean. Out, I think that's going like to happen. So, so some people said to me, well, you know, why are you talking about Ruiz? Well, that's why I'm talking about him, because you've got to look at if he blows – I'm not saying he will, but, I mean, if he blows away Ortiz, 
you know, I got to wait till the fight comes up and see what's going on and things. And, you know, it sells well or something like that. Hey, then all of a sudden he's, he's a heavyweight. He's got a good personality. He's already knocked out Joshua. Uh, Him and Wilder. No pun intended. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You've got some big possible cells there. Then you've got, you know, you got Jose Valenzuela, who just had that highlight reel knockout of of a tough veteran in Vargas. Uh, You know, he's a lightweight, hot division. Um, You've got Jesus Ramos coming off some performances that have been a little bit dull, but he's 21 years old. 154 pounds, a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of potential there. So, you know, they, they've, they've got, you know, they've got him as, they've got him as well. Um, so I'm just thinking about the, you know, like what I guess I'm saying is, you know, Showtime and PP, PBC, if Oscar doesn't move his guys faster and where they get more exposure, I mean, as these PBC guys advance, move forward in their career, they may they may end up being the guys that are the, you know, Mexican 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 American West Coast stars. So I, I I kind of started thinking that's a little bit interesting that there's no doubt that the guys that Golden Boy and you know Oscar have have a the zone have have a leg up in terms of star potential, but if they neglect it for too long without moving these guys, you know, these young PBC guys, who, who knows, you know, maybe, maybe down the road, they're, they're going to, they're going to be the guys that have the star potential because what I started thinking about is I don't, I'm not saying at all. I predict this is going to happen. He's a big favorite. And, you know, I've been a fan, but you know, Canelo's not coming off the greatest performance. I mean, Golovkin can still punch. Um, what if something went wrong for Canelo in this, you know, he just lost to Bivol. What if something went wrong for him in this Golovkin rematch? I mean, that would be you know, there, there, that would might, be a blow. Right. I mean, there might be a fan base. That's what I'm just saying. There might be some fans, a fan base that that's looking for some other stars. And who's gonna who's gonna fill that vacuum? I mean, you, you always got to think about these these possibilities. Uh, you know, that, that may not seem likely that could happen. So that, that was something to me I started thinking about a couple of days that, that got a little more interesting moving forward because I, I like the star potential of Ryan Garcia, you know, even Munguia, Virgil Ortiz, you know, Zerto, I think he's looked better lately, but these guys, there's got to be some move forward. If there's no move forward yeah. for these guys, PBC can get these guys more exposure, like it or not. That's just a fact. And, you know, like, Again, what if, what if we have Ruiz with Ortiz and they could go heavyweight, which I like, but let's say they don't go heavyweight. What if, what if they, you know, put guys like Valenzuela on the undercard or, or Ramos? Right. Uh, start getting these guys, you know, keep building up these guys' exposure. You know, and, they, and the other guy they got is, that's what I think, and they got Isaac Cruz, too. So, right, that's true. You know, yeah. I, right, you know, Cruz you know, gave Tank a tough fight. Yeah, that was the the fourth guy I was thinking about. And a lot of times they have opponents for them to fight too, which is a a major thing, right? Yeah, that's right. You can hear about the guy, see him fight, know who he's fighting, and go, "Oh wow, this kid's got something," you know? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying I think it's a little bit under the radar at this point, but I think it's something that Golden Boy and Dazone better watch out for. If if I'm them, that. 
you know, if, if you wait too long on moving the guys you got, which do have good star potential, and you don't get them the exposure, it, it might end up being too late, and, you, and you're in a you're in a bad position. So uh, yeah, just because like Munguia is a good example because you know to stall that Charlo fight out after it is widely right. reported that they agreed to terms, which is always the most difficult fucking thing. So the fighter was right. happy with this term. His manager was happy with this term, but then to sit there and say, well, DAZN built Munguia, so we got to do a split site or a split pay-per-view. It's like, that's nonsense. And I actually got some flack last week. Was it last week or the week before talking about, you know, the, the split thing for, you know, Garcia and, and Tank and how, you know, splitting with ESPN is, is different than splitting with DAZN. And we can exactly. already hear that that's what he's going to say. And it's like, you know, but he keeps saying, I want to make that fight. But it's like, when you talk about Ryan Garcia, they should deserve credit in a variety of ways. Golden Boy are the ones who signed them. So you got to get credit right off the bat there. Um, They did a good job early on um, keeping him in that one venue in Indio, uh, which would get up to two or 3,000 people. And then the first time at StubHub, they offered like, 10 to 70 dollar tickets knowing that his youth wouldn't be able to pay high prices and i thought it was awesome now you see him doing well over a million dollar gates but as far as what golden boy or DeZone did for ryan garcia ryan garcia built his own instagram stuff it had nothing to do with golden boy because golden boy would have right. multiple guys with five million ig then if that was the case you know and then this commercial golden boy did not somehow get uh, Ryan Garcia commercial on Gatorade. That wasn't Golden Boy. You know what I mean? They don't constantly get guys on major commercials. I mean, that Garcia, um, you know, and Dame Lillard commercial runs 24-7, and it is huge for him. But they do have have to realize there's a different gate between Gervonta and Garcia. That's just plain and simple. So this whole 50-50 – Showtime to zone is really saying you don't want the fight. Exactly. Exactly. And you're right. They're, they're going to have additional problems that it's not an everyday thing, but you know, there has been at least some ESPN PBC crossover type stuff, you know, with, with Wilder Fury and then, you know, Porter I mean, was allowed to go. fighting Garcia who had worked with the PBC, you know, Porter just went over. Right. It doesn't happen much, but you're right. It is happening more, you know. But right. They're going to do it in certain situations, but I don't, I agree. I mean, I, they're not going to, you know, and we know the politics, but, but again, they, they've got the bigger exposure. You know, there's, you know, we both know, and we know how the TV works and, and the way the decisions are going to make, be made. I mean, you know, PBC and Showtime are not going to send some PBC show star that's in their prime over to split with the zone. It's not going to happen. The right. uh, zone's just not going to get established on that level. They'll, they'll do it with ESPN maybe at some point, and ESPN might work with them, you know, in, in top rank. But it's it's not going to happen with the zone. So I, I don't I don't know where the end game is for for Oscar and Golden Boy with these guys right now, and and even. I'm not knocking their star potential. I'm actually saying it's there, but yeah. you know, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna have to happen soon. Yeah, they're gonna have to do something. 
Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, I appreciate you calling in. My schedule's been a little funky. I know yours has as well. I'm going to try to, you know, pretty soon I'm going to be down to just one podcast for the summer, just boxing. So I will try to knock more of these out on Monday, uh, just a heads okay. up, Monday night. Sounds good. Um, Monday, Sounds Tuesday, good. trying to get back on that for a while. Uh, but, yeah, thanks again for calling in. I appreciate it. All right, Chris. Thanks for having me. As always, enjoy the fights this weekend. There you go. Appreciate it. All righty. All righty. So, um, and just to kind of, you know, clean some of what I just was talking about up, um, you know, Oscar said he's he's willing to, you know, give uh, Gervonta Davis a big deal. Whether that it, it kind of made it sound like he wants to sign him, which obviously every promoter would want to sign him, but we still don't know the exact details, you know. And Golden Boy Promotions, this came out of the lawsuit. This is just a one hundred percent fact. Didn't get really reported by too many media members, but there's a clause in there that's like basically they should call it the anti Heyman clause in the in Golden Boy fighters contracts it basically says that golden boy like when you go to try to sign representation meaning a manager or advisor it has to clear through golden boy i mean i don't know if they changed their contract since that i would hope because it's very very anti-advisor anti-representation anti-fighter to sit there and be like, well, we got to okay your manager. What? Someone should be able to be managed by whoever the fuck they want. I mean, obviously not by Kinahan right now because it's illegal to do business with them in the U.S. and U.K. I'm not saying that, but, like, clearly that's an anti-Hayman contract, part of the contract that was in there while the court case was going on. Like I said, I have no clue if that's still in there, but that's messed up. But anyway, he kind of – talks about I'm ready to give Tank Davis a multi-million dollar deal to fight Ryan Garcia in November. Um, I strongly feel that that's the fight to make. Those are the types of fights that make superstars, which I believe, you know, I'm right there with them. But, and then he goes on to say, you know, that's not the only fight De La Hoya is looking for. He said he wants to continue to seek a match between Munguia and Charlo. And it's like, dude, you you're, you had your chance with that, but you did this, you know, Showtime was paying for everything, and they didn't, they were going to have it on regular Showtime, and you come in late after Munguia accepted the terms, he was ready to fight, same with this management, and then you came and said it had to be a split, not only was it going to be, you know, not on regular Showtime, but it'd be a pay-per-view both on Showtime and in the zone, and that's just bullshit. Um as we know, you know what I mean? Um, so, but he, he also said that he's going to, he thinks his, he, he's got a billion dollar company and he's waiting for an investor to come by and scoop it up. Um, that was part of the, the quotes as well too. Um, you know, he said, we're, we're sitting on a gold mine when it's, when I'm ready to get out, the time will come. But in the meantime, the reason I want to make these fights, uh, this is the reason why I make these fights. It's crucial. It's crucial for the sport. It's crucial for my company. It's crucial, most importantly, for the fan base. Because he did talk about, you know, 
I want to make the big fights. But it's like, is it a deal to fight Ryan Garcia or, you know, to come over and fight Tank and Ryan just on that, on his own pay-per-view? Or, because I've also heard him say on Fight Hype and other places that he's willing to do a 50-50, but once again, the zone has to be involved. So it's a split thing again. And it's like, you know, I, and I understand people are going to, you know, get all mad at me and, and message me and all that. And that's fine. But if you want to talk business logically, to act like ESPN and zone are even close to equals, it just, it's just not true, dude. You know, it's just not true. Um, and we saw that with the one fight Canelo fought off of zone. You saw the gate. You saw the pay-per-view number. It doubled the gate. So, you know, but Ryan Garcia, I will give him credit here because he says, and this is from BoxingScene.com, this is a little bit more in-depth of him just saying what he was saying to Ellerby on camera. Uh, the, the headline is, Ryan Garcia won't allow Gold Boy to prevent uh, war with Gervonta Davis. And he says a lot of stuff in here that you hope that he stands his ground and see if he says it enough, it may pressure him. Um, Golden Boy will not be able to prevent this. They can't. I will not allow it. There's no way. I will go to war to fight Tank. I'm ready to do whatever I got to do because at the end of the day, the fight is going to get me the respect, and I think I deserve it. So I'm, I'm up for the challenge. I'm very confident beating him. He's a great fighter, don't get me wrong, but I'm just that much greater, and I'll show it. Um, so... Some of those, you know, some of those comments are really like, hey, man, I want to make this damn fight, and I'll do whatever the hell I want to do, uh, and I'm going to, you know, I'll go to war, meaning what, a lawsuit? I'm not, that's, I'm not alleging anything, okay? But it's kind of like he'd really have to make some, some noise, you know what I mean, on that one. He'd really have to. Um, but, yeah, so there's that. Um, real quick, just kind of going down some of the, um, some of the stuff from the armory, um, that Morell Jr. Henderson, like I said, it went four rounds, right? I really, and in, in, in rounds two and three, Henderson got a little confidence. He actually landed some good shots and made Morell at least somewhat respect him, but it didn't go long enough. And I wouldn't call them great rounds. Now, if it would have went double that, like I said, eight or nine, and it would have been some form of two-way, you know, action where he actually has to worry about getting hit, hit, then I would have, you know, then I, I'd have been a little bit more happier with that fight. But I will say this on the flip side, it's getting harder to hard, you know, harder for a fighter, you know, of his skill and power that it, it's a, it's one of those, you know, high risk, low rewards and, if people can, you know, I mean, they, they tried to make a couple of fights. I know that for a fact. And, you know, I, if someone can get better money, you know, like John Ryder, it was supposed to happen, but the money wasn't as good as the money he, he got to fight Danny Jacobs. And so I can't really blame that. You know what I mean? It's like, it is what it is, but yeah, that'll be interesting. Cause you want him. It's interesting. Cause he already went a full, 12 round fight before but or was it 10 rounds I think it was 12 rounds yeah 
for the secondary WBA, so it was 12 rounds. So he got it really early, and then since then he hasn't barely gone too many rounds. So you'd like to get him a, 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 a fight that goes at least 8 to 10 rounds, and it's kind of kind of like the second and third rounds were in this fight, at least, at least that. So you can get some rounds, you can tighten up, you know, that type of thing. Um, all of the Ukraine, or yeah, the Ukraine, yeah, the Ukrainian, or no, 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 Kazakhstan fighters. There was four Kazakhstan fighters, and all won by early stoppages on the undercard. Um, super featherweight prospects Malik Warren and Demir Zamora both won pretty cleanly. Uh, Trevon Marshall defeated uh, Amin L. Uh, he dominated him, but it was it was it was a good fight because you know Trevon had to. Used that jab, and, and he kind of slowly but surely turned up the pressure. Ended up getting, what, three knockdowns and finishing the fight. He looked good in that, Trevon Marshall, on the under undercard. Um, and then uh, a surprise was Alfred Santiago stopped Carl uh, Dargan in the first round. Um, I mean, he got him trapped on the ropes with clean punching, just dropped him. Uh, Dargan got up and then another flurry. That was a really interesting fight there. I was like, whoa. Um, but before the Showtime broadcast even started, Jose Sanchez and Ariel uh, Del Torre, that was a fun fight. Del Torre started the fight really well, boxing well. It was kind of a spirited two-way uh, first round. Uh, but the flashy shots by De- uh, De La Torre off the rope, Really, was Sanchez was having some problems with it through the first couple rounds. Uh, by the third round, though, Sanchez, you know, with the, that pressure, he started putting them on, or putting on them, and it started really digging to the body with both hands. And although, you know, De La Torre had like his moments, it was just too much. The body attack, like I guess, it with both hands, uh, looping right hands. That was a fun fight, though. I think it was 78, 74, and two of them, 77, 75. The crowd was into that one. That was really, really fun. Um, and then just kind of giving my take. Um, so, yeah, hopefully Morrell gets a, a, a step up. I don't know if he's going to go right to Benavidez. Uh, his handlers probably don't want him to go right to Benavidez. They probably want him to get a better fight so you can get some of that adversity and just rounds. I mean, he needs rounds. He doesn't even have that many fights. Uh, and to jump that high up to David Benavidez, which is, there's no messing around with him. Um, it might be a mistake, you know, as far as Fulton, I mean, Fulton just dazzled. I mean, he was, he did a lot. I mean, maybe you could give one, I think it was maybe the second round. Um, I'd say, uh, Roman had his jab going. Roman had his jab going and he definitely got, to the body, so I think it was 1-1 after the first, but the, I mean, the jab in the right hand um, in the first chunk of rounds um, was impressive by Fulton, and you know, there were still moments where Roman would have these nice little you know, body shots, and once in a while, land on upstairs, but he was having problems catching them upstairs, no doubt about it. Um, but Fulton, you know, boxing very nicely, pot shots, landing the right hand, jabbing him to death, 
uh, using that distance, using his feet, blocking shots, landing overhand right, the left hook. Once he brought the left hook out, and that happened mid to late, I mean, he really started stepping on the gas late. Um, and beyond little two-way moments, it was, you know, that left hook and the right hand more and more started to find it. Was it the 10th round? I think it was the 10th round where Fulton, 10th and 11th, where Fulton started really turning up the heat, landed big shots that you could see Roman was having some problems with. He'd circle them, land a big shot or two in a row. He threw an uppercut in there as well. Fulton just looked damn good, man. Just looked damn good. And once again, the attendance last time was like 4,200 or 4,300. That was a, a record for boxing. This time, just short of 4,700 people. So, um, that was, you know, that was a really, really fun, um, fun night in general. Like I said, the first chunk of fights on the undercard, you know, off TV were just too one-sided, you know, too quick. Um, they just weren't matched that well. Um, but I mean, you know, you're dealing with young prospects. So a lot of times, you don't, you know, unless you have just a super deep, you know, pedigree in the amateurs, it usually, you know, takes a little while to actually get matched. But the first four fights, five fights, were like, okay, dude, let's see some fights. Then we we started to see it, uh, and so that was pretty fun. Um, as far as this weekend goes, the um, zone has is it two cards? Yeah, Mungia's fighting Jimmy Kelly. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. I actually don't think I've seen this guy fight. Um, and then they have uh, Kayo, Kayaguchi against uh, Bermuda. Uh, what is his name? Let me check. Ber- Bermudez, I think it is. Yeah, Bermudez for uh, Kayaguchi's, uh, is it, uh, it's not fly, I think it's junior flyweight. I can't remember. And, uh, yeah, that's it is junior flyweight. That's June 10th, by the way. Um, so Friday. And then Jorge uh, Castagna, or yeah, Castagna and Edward Hernandez. That could be a good fight. That could be an interesting fight. Showbox also has um, some action going on. Um, the, the heavyweight, actually, Elvis Garcia, I think, has got knocked off there. I'll talk a little bit about that. Edgar Berlanga on June 11th. So Showbox is Friday, per usual. Um, that Mungia fight is uh, on zone the 11th on Saturday. Uh, Edgar Berlanga against uh, Romero Angulo, the guy a couple of fights ago, maybe two fights ago, was it? I can't remember. Maybe it was – oh, this is this the guy Benavides returned from his COVID break from, like one of the first fights? I can't remember. Anyway, um, you know, where Berlanga is and some of the struggles he's had of late, I actually think this is a decent matchup. Uh, Xander Zayas did get sick and got knocked off this card, unfortunately. Josue uh, Vargas is on the card. Uh, Henry LeBron and Luis LeBron are fighting. That's kind of an interesting little matchup. And also on Fight TV from Miami, Trevor Bryant and Daniel Dubois for the WBA quote-unquote, regular heavyweight. I didn't see it, but I, well, I saw, like, a quick clip of Don King today, and uh, he wasn't talking about boxing much. (laughs) It was like, okay, here we go, Don. 
Uh, let's talk about the fight. No, we're not going to talk about fight. By the way, International Boxing Hall of Fame inductions, was it three years that they missed? Yeah, 2021. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, damn, man. So there's a bunch of people getting inducted uh, this week. But like I said, a light week on paper. Uh, nothing too crazy on paper. But you know how that works sometimes. Sometimes on paper, all of a sudden, will just pop the you-know-what off. Um, so Triller, like I said, um, or Fight TV, my bad. Um, but they have a fight card. But Triller, and this is from uh, Dan Raphael, Big Fight Weekend. Triller fa- fails to pay Kovalev and Pulev uh, brothers for Mayweather, or for Mayweather, for May 14th fight. So Sergey uh, Kovalev and brothers Travel and Kubrak Pulev have not been paid for that May 14th card. That's what they're reporting. Um, so <laughs> the four featured fighters and their promoters who entered into a provision of service agreements with Triller for the belts were not paid on fight night or by wire transfers in the days following the event, sources say. I know there was a little bit of delay, according to sources. New Triller Fight Club president uh, asked representative for the fighters to allow payments to be delayed for as long as 75 days until eventually settling on a deadline May 31st. But, of course, we're past that, but the money still not be paid as of Tuesday's deadline, which was obviously last Tuesday. So uh, when Triller did not pay Lou Bella Entertainment its fees, for Forrest's services in the days following, despite um, DeBella paid Forrest and his manager. Triller uh, has since paid back most of the money it owed DeBella, um, but it missed the deadline for the rest. Uh, so, uh, according to one source, California State Athletic Commission is aware of the issue and could take measures to suspend Triller for putting on events in the state, which could lead to other com- commissions following suit. So Kovalev was due five hundred thousand. Uh, Tervel Pulev almost two hundred grand. The other Pulev a little over two hundred grand, and Forrest was one hundred forty thousand. So I know Tyson. They also went on saying Tyson, you know, said he had some issues there too for a little bit. But uh, yeah, so they better get that figured out because uh, if they're trying to make some noise, it's helpful, you know, to pay your fighters or the fighters. So, damn, that's pretty intense. <laughs> like, wow, really? Like, man, that's uh, that's funky. I guess that's the only way I can put that. That that's freaking crazy. Now, here's a little clip from the Mayweather gym, and it's not, um, you know, the Mayweather saying this. It's, it's actually him answering it, Mayweather's uncle, and but. There's a couple different guys behind the Mayweather channel for, for YouTube, but I've heard this wave, and I got to admit, it's mostly white dudes. This wave of Cambosa's got screwed, basically. Like Cambosa's won the fight, and I'm just like, I'm seeing it a little more and more. Like I said, for Cambosa's to say that, which he did, he did say he thought he got screwed, um, and he said most people thought I won. For the fighter, like, like I'll read it and criticize him, but I understand the fighter and the trainers. This is very personal. 
But for outside people that aren't in the fight and not tied to the fight, it's pretty crazy. But listen to this clip. Listen to this clip. Him talking to Jeff Mayweather um, about the fight. It's pretty crazy, and I hope we don't get more of this because Cambosas didn't win that fight. But Jeff, first of all, you had picked Cambosas to win. Um, I had picked Cambosas to win. Cambosas thought he won after the fight, as did a lot of us. Uh, your thoughts on, on the fight and the outcome with the fight going to Devin Haney? Well, we saw Devin, you know, for the most part, you know, obviously the jab was very effective for him. He's thrown a lot of jabs, then immediately clinching. Um, Cambosas, after the fight, he felt that he won, and a lot of the stats show that he should have won. And even a lot of the stats, like, actually, go look at the stats, dude. They, they, that's not, not true. Um, do you think that it was, you know, Devin a little more flashy, but, you know, the substance wasn't necessarily there and that, that he deserved a victory? No. That Devin won almost every round. I mean, I may could give maybe one round to Campos. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, him beating Campos is that easy. Really did surprise me as well. Well, this was a case, you know, you said maybe the judge would be impacted by the crowd and that kind of thing. But Devin Haney being a top ranked fighter, this being a top ranked fight, that kind of thing, do you think that maybe those judges were swayed? Because a lot of those rounds could have gone either way. I mean, there was, there was only a couple that were clearly definitively for Devin Haney. <laughs> I don't think so. But, um, but you said you're rooting for Devin, so no, a little no, bias no, in your no, opinion, no, more no, than likely. There's no, there's no bias in my opinion. Like you I said think. you want him to win. How are you not biased? <laughs> Well, the same can be said for you picked him to win. And obviously you clearly wanted him to win because you're saying he, he won the fight. <laughs> like, that's pretty scary. And that guy's, you know, fairly knowledgeable from the other videos I've seen. So it's like, wow, dude, for real? Like, you think it was that? Like, there's only a couple rounds that were clear cut. It's like, you mean only a couple rounds where you could even – Maybe think he won a round like, or two, you know what I mean? That's some wild shit, dude. And, and to sit there and call him biased, clearly, the other guy being, I mean, that shit. Whoo-wee, that, that, uh, that's on a different level right there. That's on a different level. Um, as far as uh, some fight news. Actually, this is on BoxingScene.com right now. Usyk-Joshua rematch set to take place on August 13th or August 20th in the Middle East, according to Eddie Hearn. That's really not that uh, news, you know, news-oriented. I did see this. Shouts out to Deuce. Keep fighting, man. Um, I saw him actually talk to him a little bit. Got to chop it up with him. He's going through something, man. He's fighting it right now. So I, I definitely, uh, it's good to see him. But he put out a tweet today, April 14th and June 8th, right? And the April 14th, uh, like, um, what was it? Uh, it's like a little segment um, for Dan Raphael, Fr- Fight Freaks Unite, his little blog, basically. And it, it's talking about Probellum um, taking issue with Bob Arum, you know, about what he said about Probellum and Kinahan. Bob Arum's comments implying that top rank has ceased a business relationship with Probellum are baseless. Top Rank is a competitor, and since Probellum's inception, Top Rank has never worked directly with us. Any suggestion that Daniel Kinahan is a shareholder or owner of Probellum are false and defamatory. Um, so, 
uh, and basically, you know, any company found to do business with Kinahan would face legal and civil actions by the U.S. government or U.K. too. But this is the second one in, right now, today. It says, if any way is to get an opportunity to become the first undisputed Bantamweight, you know, of course, Paul Butler from England, um, and they're trying to think about making that fight there, actually. Uh, it's a fight top rank. Inouye's co-promoter said they have interest in pursuing and should not be co- a complicated deal to make because Butler said he wants the fight and he's promoted by Provellum, which promotes Donaire and was able to make the Inouye rematch with ease. So what I'm saying is he already did a goddamn you know, business with Provellum. So it was kind of a funny little uh, thing there. Oh, I forgot to mention uh, Takuma Inoue, too, um, getting a, was it a UD, I think, over uh, over Furush, Furhashi or whatever. Um, he looked pretty damn good in that. I know Takuma's got that, I think that one loss, um, but he looked good. I, I Actually, someone messaged me saying I, 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 forgot to, I forgot to say that, so you're right, that's a good point. Here, here's that Tiafimo stuff. Now, Mike Coppinger, a handful of days ago, uh, reported Tiafimo Lopez and Pedro Campa have agreed to do a deal at 140, uh, August 13th, likely South Florida. So this, this is the report, right? Um, and then you had, you know, basically Lopez coming out, and he said – Man, I asked for Jose Ramirez and all the top heads at and all the top heads at 140. We're still discussing uh, on the fighter. These fighters don't want nothing to do with me. Shaking my head and Josh Taylor, a whole bitch. Man's protected, like he's in with the SEC. In with sick with sick. What do you? It's kind of cut off. Hold on. Goddamn! Oh, I, this. Okay, it says, God damn, I was born in the wrong era. Now, Jack Catterall came in, and he said, I agree. Talking about, you know, Josh Taylor, because obviously, you know, Catterall has a lot of, you know, I mean, some people thought he won the fight. It was a tight-ass fight, regardless who you thought with him and Taylor. And Taylor did say he'd give him a re- rematch, but it's at 147. Well, if he decides to stay at 140 and doesn't fight Catterall, that is messed up. But he says, you know, we can get it in. You know, we can get it in. Uh, I'll fight you. And, and, and Tia Fimo said, I'm down. Um, he said, I didn't expect any less. Tell your team to contact me and we can get this thing on. And he said, I'm on it now. Just don't flip the switch on me. And Catterall said, no flipping switches, blah, 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 blah. And he said, you know, that uh, that's the fight I want to make then, which that would be a damn good fight. And it would be a way to be like, Hey, you know, um, but here's Jake Donovan. He said, I can speak. I, I can't speak for any of others of the other fighters that, you know, that he was talking about, but he said, Barboza, which is a fight that we did think was going to happen, uh, held out for at least two months before finally moving on to the next opponent. And his opponent is far better than the one rumored. Uh, not much more to be said. Which, you know, hmm, um, kind of interesting there. But as, you know, 
his manager really went off. You know, he's like, you're a liar. You're a you know, motherfucking liar, Tiafimo, period. Uh, send the contract right now, and I'll walk barefoot from Cali to Vegas on hot coals to get it signed, uh, as uh, Ramirez would probably fight you for free, which is not true, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, I'm the wrong guy to buff, and this is, you know, the manager of uh, Ramirez. He said, my other guy, Barbosa, has been uh, hunting you for a year, and I placed 198 phone calls to top rank saying make the fight. Uh, so, yeah, he, he had a bunch of other stuff to say. We won't get too into it, but he definitely was like, nah, dude, that's bullshit. So we'll see what happens out of all that. Oh, a little follow-up on that show box. Uh, heavyweight, I think he's like, He's undefeated. He's like, I don't know, 12, 13, uh, 11, something like that. 12 and 0, 11 and 0. Most of them by knockouts. I think it's 10 or 9 or something like that. Uh, Elvis Garcia from Mexico. He had test positive for a banned substance in a random test conducted by VADA and has been dropped out of his scheduled eight rounder against Alante Green. That was for the show box, by the way. So that is uh, something to think about. Now, uh, Green, Atlanta Green will face Arias, 17-0 prospect from the Bronx as the co-feature. Um, also some news about Anthony Joshua, the Alexander Usyk Joshua rematch. Um, it's still being finalized. I've heard two rumors. One of them came out in something I wouldn't necessarily trust as a source, to be honest with you, but the Telegraph Sport did say they claim that Sky Sports pay-per-view will, will happen in the U.K. and the DAZN, he'll give DAZN the international rights. But there was a um, Scottish Sunsport says that he's not, Anthony Joshua is not going to be with Sky Sports and that he got this mega money deal to actually sign with DAZN straight up, which would be a big deal for DAZN. You know what I mean? That, that would be a huge deal, no doubt about it. Um, so we'll see more on that. This is Mick, uh, Rick Merjanin. Is that what it is? Merjanin, Mergranin? I can't remember. But, um, he says, looks like, uh, Abinogian, Abinogian and his team are running away from Virgil, giving the three of, uh, was Virgil was given three opponents and didn't hesitate to take the toughest one. This guy was calling out Virgil Abinogian. Um, so he can't, Say, you know, we avoided him, begging for his shot. Um, they agreed to a deal and then never would send the actual contract back. So there's a possibility that Michael McKinnonson, um, the name that, you know, doesn't do a whole lot for people. I know stylistically he could do a little something, you know, but I don't know. So it sounds like that David Avanesian, the I think it was Coppinger who who called for that, or they called for the fight, but reported it. Doesn't sound like that's fighting it. That's going to happen August 6th. Um, so that kind of sucks. Oh, by the way, um, rest in peace to the South African boxer. Um, uh, Simoso, was it Boothelizzi? I don't know, but either way. Uh, rest in peace to this guy, because there was a video going around, and it was really sad. 
and he was throwing punches, you know, at nobody. You know, they they stopped the fight. He's throwing punches literally at nobody. It was one of the sadder boxing videos I've seen. Um, And it just goes to show you when we talk about certain things about fighters from our couch, uh, even those who work out and actually throw punches and all that, you're still not a professional fighter. So at any kind of level, so it kind of humbles, it should continue to humble us too. Um, If there's just a horrible stoppage where you're like, dude, he wasn't even hurt. And it was all in favor of the hometown person. Sure. You know, I'm not saying you can't criticize, but sometimes you go over the top. Um, And that was sad. So rest in peace, man. That South African fighter, that, that video was, that was crazy, man. That, that, it's bad. Uh, hold on, sorry. <clears throat> Had a cough there. All right, July 30th, um, from Brooklyn, the Barclays on Showtime, a triple header. Danny Garcia is going to test the waters. His first fight will be 154 against Jose Benavidez. You know, I think we talked about this last week. Um, it is what it is. It's like a fight he hasn't fought since December 2020. It's just a return opponent. Benavides is usually game as a guy, you know, as a as a fighter. Um, I don't know if fifty four is going to be great for him. He's weighed in that before, but you know, um, did he actually came off a draw? I think in this first one over forty seven. But anyway, um, Adam Koznowski and Demirazin, Ali Aren Demirazin, who gave uh, uh, Fa a pretty tough fight there. You know, pushed him for 10 rounds when at the time no one really could. That's the co-feature. I actually like that fight a lot. That'll be all action. And then Gary Antoine Russell against Rancis Bartholomew. Uh, I think Russell coming off that pole stall win, his best win, his biggest test, passed it with flying colors, knocked him out, and that was February, right? Was it January or February? I think it was February 1st. So for him to get back in July... They're moving him really, really well. And Bartholomew, um, you know, he's not a great, you know, I just, I like the matchup because it's another different style for him. And it's it's a funky style, basically. By the way, the tickets are on sale for Ryan Garcia versus Javier Fortuna for July 16th. It's at the crypto. Oh, 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 hold on. It's that crypto, but you know what I'm talking about. That That's the old, uh, old Staples Center. Tickets are on sale, though. They went on sale. I'm sure you know you should swoop them up here. Also, Jamal Charlo suffered a back injury, which postponed his fight with Sulecki, which was supposed to happen next weekend. You know, we'll see how long that, you know, he's going to be out or whatever. Um, A couple other news items that I wanted to get to. Oh, John Gibbons has revealed that Mauricio Lara, will box August 19th on the DAZN show. Um, this is Jake Donovan a couple of days ago. The, the IBF approved uh, approved request for an interim title at, at stake and ordered, they ordered a clash between Sabril Matias and Jermias Ponce. Um, but once, the targeted, once targeted as a final eliminator, will now carry the interim. Uh, the winner will have to... Uh, the winner is the IBF mandatory for Josh Taylor. 
So Ponce and Matias, I think that's a fun fight. Um, he goes on to say, was long agreed by these two fighters, but they were waiting for Taylor's decision if he was going to stay at 140 or move up. Taylor, you know, currently is ordered to face Jose Zapata, uh, which heads to a purse bid uh, on June 10th. So basically, it's a way to be like, all right, we'll, we'll make a good fight for you guys, and, you know, then you can get a shot at Taylor if he's still around. I don't know. Um, by the way, shots out to DeBella in top rank in Team Haney. Uh, this is Jake Donovan again. Extraordinary efforts on the part of Team Haney, co-promoters top rank, and DeBella uh, were made to get Bill's visa approved, Bill Haney. So that it's that was huge, too. And, you know, when Eddie Hearn said he doesn't have a promoter there, <laughs> that's just Eddie Hearn. Speaking of Eddie Hearn, though, because he had a promoter there. They had a promoter there. Uh, just because it's not him, well, the zone should offer more money for the fight, dude. Eddie Hearn has revealed, though, he offered a million dollars for Jose Ramirez to face Conor Ben and Mick, uh, Rick. God damn, I'm backwards here. Rick Moran turned it down asking for two or three times. That's what he told Boxing Social. Now, the last time, because Hooker won a fight on ESPN, and then Matchroom and DAZN won the purse. Remember that? And they paid him a pretty healthy, you know, healthy money, more than a million, um, to get him on the zone to fight Hooker. I'm talking about Ramirez. So, and I know that was a unification, but if we're being honest, like, if Connor Ben's this next star and you want Ramirez so bad, why would it only be a, you know, why would it only be that? Why would it only be a million? That, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Um, some other random news. The WBC has now ordered Callum Smith and Bartolik uh, as a final eliminator for the WBC light heavyweight world title. The winner would be the w- WBC mandatory for the winner of Better Be of Joe Smith Jr. So that's a really important fight there. Um, in July 30th in Tokyo, um, the rematch between Kazuto Ioka and Donnie Nietes uh, for the WBO Superfly. That should be an interesting fight there. Dan Raphael said he were, he, his source is – God, I cannot talk this last stretch of the <laughs> – uh, per sources um, that the Davis Romaro generated 275 buys. 275,000 buys, excuse me. I'm actually trying to do something else, and it distracted me, and i got to stop looking at these messages. Okay, um, by the way, there was this new ESPN, Ben Baby, uh, I think he wrote the article overall, but uh, there was a variety of people that voted on ESPN launched a boxing project, the Star Index, right? So they used a variety of things to say who's the next, right, the next up-and-coming star. So, 
you know, a guy like Gervonta or, or stuff like that, they can't be on there because they're already stars. And don't get me wrong, a good chunk of the names were, were really awesome. But imagine having, because it was like skills, marketability, blah, 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 right? Instead of just talking about it, they did a rating system with like four different categories and then measured it. Like 3.97, which is just kind of a silly thing to do. But that list, as far as gauging the next star in the sport, no one on that list is obviously a star yet, right? But they named a couple fighters. I'm not going to call them out or anything. But for David Benavides, for Bam Rodriguez, for Fulton, for Boots Ennis, to not have Benavides, Bam Rodriguez, or Boots Ennis on that 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 list, that was despicable. You might as well just called it the ESPN list. It'd be like, ah, oh, we decided to put a couple other guys on, on there too, because it was ridiculous, dude. I mean, David Benavides. Bam Rodriguez, dude, he's got a big fight coming up. He could be, uh, you know, quote-unquote boxing star, not a cross. We're not talking about – there's there's really not many crossover boxing stars, obviously. So, anyway, I think that's about it. Uh, let's go boxing. Actually, you know what? Hold on. My uh, switchboard just came up. Um, Portland 503, man, if you want to jump in. Feel free. Uh, I'll let you talk here. We got like 36 minutes left of the live stream. Otherwise, I'll just do the, uh, you know, I'll just do, I'll just end it on the uh, boxy Twitter segment. So I'll, I'm going to actually just in case, let me know if you're busy or not. But uh, feel free to, uh, you know, let me know. I'll definitely uh, pop you in here. One thing I'll do in that time. And I got a little couple mess. That's what's been messing me up um, about this Eddie Hearn stuff. Um, I'll play you the clip, okay? I'll play you the clip. Is what I was talking about, and it is a bullshit clip because, well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. So they're talking about John Gervonta Davis, and if he was a, uh, if he was, which it sounds like he's not now. But if he was a free agent, of course, everybody wants to sign him, right? So it has nothing to do with Eddie Hearn wanting to sign him, right? This has nothing to do with some of the legit stuff that both uh, LRB and uh, Eddie Hearn have said back to each other or the bullshit stuff, whatever you want. You know, it's a combination of both. This has nothing to do with that. He's insinuating about Al Heyman, Gervonta Davis, Al Heyman, and I guess you could say LRB because Mayweather promotion. But this is the clip that I'm talking about, and I'll use an exact example when it comes to zone and Matchroom because zone, after all, zone USA and Matchroom are the same thing if you look at the ownership. I mean, it's they're, they're one, okay? So zone, you know, he – he doesn't represent the zone as the top person, right? So obviously he wasn't in the negotiations that I'll talk about. But this is what he said, okay? 
This is what he said. This is the clip I'm going to tell you about Eddie Hearn talking about Gervonta Davis and basically insinuating, not just forget alleged, insinuating things about Al Heyman and really LRB too, but Floyd too. Listen to this. Gervonta Davis is a superstar. You know, you saw the crowd there. Um, and I think he's now at the level when he talks about taking his career in his own hands. What a fighter who is generating that kind of attention will start doing is looking around the audience, thinking about the pay-per-view buyers and saying, how much am I getting and how much is in the pot? And that's why we always work on that model with our big stars where they receive the revenue for the fight and they see everything. Now, is Javonta Davis seeing the revenue that he's generating? And it's going to be really interesting now to see what he does because if I'm Javonta Davis, I want to know how much was generated at the gate. I want to know what was the pay-per-view revenue, what was the sponsorship income, what was the global TV rights, and I want to make sure it's mine because how much money are other people making out of Javonta Davis? And I think that he's now going to take control of his career and obviously, if he's available, then we would love to work with him. Now, listen, that last part is obvious, but he's insinuating that of all people in boxing, if you know Al Heyman's track record, look at him as a, a, a licensed manager. He's an advisor, but technically he's a licensed manager. Okay, Just as a manager, to offer the 15%, and it's also rumored and reported strongly, once you start making big money, that percentage goes down, by the way. Because um, legally, you can it's 33% a manager can take, legally. Like 30%, 25%, 20%. That's what's been going on and still does go on. But for Al to only offer to only take 15% of your money, and that doesn't kick in until you start making at least $100,000. That was also uh, reported by Sports Business. So to sit there and be like, I wonder where all my – I mean, remember when Conor McGregor took a meeting with Al Heyman? Next thing you know, he was making a lot more upfront money to suggest or insinuate that Al Heyman does not let, or LRB or Mayweather, Mayweather Promotions, but really, if we're saying who packages this stuff all together, it's clearly Al Heyman. To insinuate Al Heyman does not show, like what he says, is someone showing him this stuff? I mean, I mean that's part of what the Ali Act is about, by the way, which they don't have in the U.K., but to insinuate Al Heyman's not – I mean, he's the one who flipped the goddamn thing, the business on its head, not just as a manager. But remember, they were paying $3 million a fee. They were paying a fee to the promoter, Golden Boy. And then ultimately Mayweather Promotions took it over and would do their own events. So to sit here and act like is Gervonta – being shown all the revenue. Are you out of your fucking mind with Al Heyman? I mean, that's exactly what he does. I mean, that's crazy to insinuate that. And, of course, there was no backup. 
And you know what's funny? What's really funny about this, and this, I'm, I, now I'll say this is the zone. This is Skipper. Okay, this is – I don't believe Eddie Hearn was in these uh, negotiations when for the Anthony Joshua-Wilder fight. When Wilder went into that, that um, you know, that offer that they gave him, the two and three fight deal or whatever, they would not in, – in in, this is the zone, okay? This is the zone Skipper, not the, the, the lead guy in there, not Eddie Hearn all the way, but he is part of the zone. So for him to turn around and ask – if he's seen everything, listen, they wouldn't tell Wilder what Joshua was making. Clearly not showing all the revenue on this event. Because maybe they showed him the, the revenue on the event, but I doubt it. This is speculation. Um, this is alleged stuff, but they would not show him, meaning Wilder and Al Heyman that side, they would not show him or tell him what Anthony Joshua was making, but they want him to sign a contract that doesn't guarantee a fight with him. And ultimately, the way it turned out, because Joshua won, right? They wouldn't have fought. Joshua won, or uh, Ruiz beat Joshua. They had to have the rematch. Then COVID hit. They would that fight wouldn't have happened until probably this year. So. They would not tell that side how much Josh was making. So now I'm going to sign a contract, a multi-fight contract that doesn't even guarantee one fight with them yet. But you want to sign? You want me to sign the second fight that I don't even know if there'd be a second fight, let alone a first one. And if I knock them out, you think they're going to go right to the rematch? It's a little bit different. A knockout from Wilder is a little different than that Ruiz one. So they would not tell their side, what Joshua was making. zone, who is tied with Eddie Hearn. Okay? So for Eddie to turn around and be like, oh, you know, what the fuck? I mean, are, are, are we sure? Basically insinuating that someone may not be showing revenue to Gervonta Davis. I mean, come on, dude. Power or He's flipped it, like I said. The promoters he works with now, he pays them a fee. They don't own the whole thing. There's not another promoter taking 20 or 30% of your pay-per-view money like there is if you sign with Top Rank. Or, you know, I don't know the number with the zone for sure, but that that's coming out of Bob Arum's uh, Twitter account when he broke it down. So to sit there and insinuate as if Gervonta doesn't know his revenue and, he, and Al's keeping it a secret. That's what that's insinuating. So, yeah, I do have an issue with that because that's some bullshit, dude. I mean, but yet you don't hear any – I mean, I, I don't expect the IFL team to – you know, once in a while they'll follow up. But even when people follow up mostly, it still, like, doesn't address what should be talked about. And that's on some bullshit. So that's what I was talking about for the people that messaged me. That's what I'm talking about. To insinuate that and then to turn around and not disown who he works for, you know, for them not to even show Wilder shit, it's just like, are you out of your fucking mind? By the way, Pro Box TV has another card coming up. Uh, 
Former title challenger Alex Mini Vega takes on undefeated puncher Angelino Cordova. Uh, Huracan Cordova. It's uh, for the WBO Latino Junior Flyweight. I don't know why we got to put that. It's it's for a a title, but it's a ten rounder. That's on the uh, Gonzalez Baraga. That's an interesting fight. That is definitely an interesting fight. So this is Mark Ortega. He says, why is Austin McBroom allowed to be involved in boxing when he stiffed everybody on the last show? And this is under uh, a tweet saying that uh, that Gib dude who, who fought really quick, Jake Paul beat him up. Um, he's going to return to pro boxing facing Austin – or to face Austin McBroom on July 30th in L.A. Um so it sounds like, you know, these guys didn't get paid. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Okay, now we'll just go boxing Twitter stuff. Um, Devin Haney went to George Cambosa's backyard and became undisputed at 23 years old. That's legendary. Too bad Canelo couldn't do that against Mayweather at 23. That's a bullshit tweet. You're talking about Cambosa's compared to Mayweather? <laughs> that's on some fanboy stuff. Uh, to date. Inouye's pro career has been what a lot of people think Loma Chenko's has is. Yeah, that's very true. Heading into tomorrow, this is Rod uh, Roll Boxing. Heading into tomorrow, obviously 16-0 now. Uh, Inouye's 16-0 in title fights, not including the WBA secondary stuff. This is his 10th fight against a ring or TBRB ranked foe. In 23 fights, a 44% clip, one of the highest in boxing, and it will be his first rematch. It is his sixth-ranked foe with eight starts, basically fights, at 118, uh, which that's pretty damn good. Potential Fulton Inouye fight. This is Adrian Delgado. He's a really great follow. Uh, this would be an amazing matchup, talking about Fulton Inouye. Uh between two of the best pound-for-pound fighters a division apart. A few important factors, Fulton's size, durability, and range. Anyway, would have to work or would have his work cut out for him, but he has foot speed and skills to close the gap. And that, that's a good breakdown of that. Uh, for people sharing the Anyway Donaire purse info, here's a hint. Any site that is talking about split on pay-per-view money for a belt that wasn't pay-per-view is probably making up the numbers. Yeah, we've seen that a lot lately all of a sudden. You got, you got this stuff. It's like, huh. I need Lomachenko to come back. Devin Haney being undisputed champion is disgusting. Generally disgusting. He's so underwhelming, and he's actually a C fighter. Ashamed, I watched that in full. So he's calling Haney a C fighter. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. Fortuna favors the – or Fortune favors the – they're talking about uh, Devin Haney here. Fortune favors the bold. No sides of the street for Devin Haney, and he's now one, the one and only legitimate – lightweight champ. That's uh, Evan Korn from top rank. No sides of the street. What the fuck? What are you talking about? He had to sign a deal with the zone. He literally had to sign a deal with the zone. Or, I'm sorry, with ESPN. Um, 
to make this fight. <laughs> so he had to go to a different side of the street, you know, because he wasn't tied to anybody fight by fight with Eddie. Watching this fight reminds me of why I'm so happy Mayweather's gone. Haney is awful to watch because there's no action. Only jabs and running. He didn't run. Um, and trying to counter. Man, I wanted to see a fight. Not this pussyfoot shit. It's just, what about the other guy fighting? Why didn't he do anything? Okay. So here's this dude, Moonshine, which this guy's ridiculous, or, or at least retweeted shit. This is what he said before and after. We're looking at before and after stuff here. Folks, he says, folks, Devin Haney's jab won't be enough to beat George Cambosis. Um, People breaking it down like if Cambosis is a basic fighter that all you need to do is jab and beat him. Haney will have to do more than singles and doubles. Cambosis is dangerous and punch selection is superior. That's what he said for the fight. A jab can't only win the fight. And that's the biggest thing about the fight as far as Devin Haney winning. Then he said, now this is after. The reason why Devin Haney's undisputed win doesn't elevate him as an undisputed should is because it wasn't number one and number two. Loma versus Tiafimo was number one versus two. Best versus best. So I will ask Devin Haney, the top dog. Oh, so I will ask, is Devin Haney the top dog and the number one lightweight? Um, so it's like he's saying, because it wasn't one and two, this doesn't. The problem is Teofimo lost to this guy, dude. So it's just excuses. That's the problem I have with all these excuses. This is Ryan Garcia. Congrats to Haney, but it was definitely just a bland fight. Anyways, I'll say, you know, once, once, you know who I want after Fortuna, let them have the rematch. Absolutely NyQuil type of performance. They, okay, they're out here uh, in the morning. They're still out here this morning telling you they like boxing, but hate boring masterclass performances, right? Um, they want knockouts and knockdowns, except if it comes to Wilder. Then they want skill and technique. That is pretty funny. They have a lot to say about Wilder not being skilled in the technique. But then when Haney is skilled in technique, oh, all of a sudden, nah, we want knockouts, dude. <laughs> but when Wilder was delivering them knockouts, huh, weird. Oscar says all roads lead to Ryan Garcia. He also says, he also like backed it up by saying all I could say, oh, all I could think of is Haney versus Tank being the most exciting fight in boxing. <laughs> and uh, Garcia was asked about that. He's like, yeah, I don't know why he'd do that. Um, considering that it's an undisputed fight, very underwhelming and no urgency by either guy, edge to Cambosis. So he had Cambosis win in the fight too, I guess. Uh, this is Shakur Stevenson. Truth be told, me, Dev, and Tank are the coldest boxers, in my opinion, and the leaders of the new generation. He's got a point there. There's other fighters in there. ESPN is giving us a solid two and a half minutes, uh, two minutes and 30 seconds of these, <laughs> of the rounds. It, it's true. I noticed that 
they were getting cut off a little early. I don't know if it was uh, 30 seconds, but a couple of them were pretty messed up. Does Devin Haney have the worst undisputed run ever? You know what's funny? Is why didn't they say that about Cambosis? Think about it. So he beat Selby, who's not a 130. And then, and he's limited. He's a good fighter, though. And then um, Mickey Bay. That's who he fought to get into contention. Mickey Bay. So Linares and Jojo Diaz, and then beating Campos's. It's just weird to be like, so So you, if you put in stock of him beating Tiafima Lopez, well, Haney, you know, Haney beat the guy that beat the guy. It's just so funny how much hate comes out. You can just admit you're wrong, dude. It's okay, man. You, you got the fight wrong. Everybody gets fights wrong. I mean, if you're like a 55%, 60% uh, someone that bets a lot, you're doing damage. You should just move to Vegas. Like, it's it's so funny that these guys – okay, this this will be the last. I think this will be the last one. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I, this is Cummings, by the way. I've never seen a fighter who isn't a draw in his own country catch more praise for traveling to where his opponent, the unified champ, is a draw. And uh, J-Ro said, Usyk made a career of this. Yeah, Usyk got a lot of praise, as well as he should have, too, by the way. But you can't think of anybody else that did that. Usyk did that. And they called him Road Warrior. But yet, you don't want to praise Devin Haney. It's just so funny, dude. And he goes on, J-Bro, to say Haney has uh, fought damn near half of his fights outside the U.S. And motherfuckers on here crying like some bitches about getting praised for traveling. Everyone else would be called a, ro- a road warrior. It's so true, dude. Okay, one more. Why is there so much racism, some carefully coded, in the boxing media online influencers? It's very odd to me considering the makeup of the sport. MMA media, meanwhile, is often criticized by fans for being overly woke. Interesting differences. There's a lot of code, a lot of code words out there uh, that are very racist when you really think about what they're trying to say and when they don't say it about other people. One more. Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia with Mayweather and De La Hoya fully involved in the promotion would have a chance of doing one million buys in the U.S. Uh, is his opinion, Mark Ortega. I mean, I think I'd agree with that to an extent. Yeah, I think I'd agree that. Agree with that. It uh, it would have a chance anyway. Um, Doug Fisher before the fight said, I don't think the big question is whether Haney has the power to keep Cambosas honest. I think the key question is if Haney's chin can hold up to George's sneaky counters and right hand. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the fight weekend. Like I said, sometimes these fight weekends can be better than expected on paper. All right, we'll be back next week. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe.